Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the TetraCast. This is RPG Sites weekly podcast where we get the site staff together to talk about our favorite genre of video games. My name is Brian Vitale. We've got the new usual crew here today. Uh, you'll recognize most of these names. With me, I have Josh Torres. The new usual crew. What does that mean? Uh, the, we we haven't had George or Adam in a while, so they're absent. So oh, so they just they, they've been xed out. All yeah, right. yeah, uh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. You guys are loyalists. Okay, great. <laughs> okay, they're they're, they're right, cameos uh, now. They've been relegated. Yeah, happy post Turkey Day to anyone who uh, decided to celebrate it this year. That's uh, had a had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you guys had a great one too. All right, I feel I feel like first of all, yeah, I agree with the sentiment. Hopefully, everyone that got to visit their family here in the U.S. or otherwise, if you're visiting outside of a holiday, that's fine too. But yeah, Adam and George are both in the middle of just life stuff. I'm not actually like bemoaning their absence here. Uh, also joining is James Galizio. Hey, folks, and Chow Min Wu. How's it going? I was going to say our Thanksgiving was a month ago. Oh yeah, yeah so yeah, our, the Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah, sorry, we forgot to give a shout out for the Canadian Thanksgiving of October because I always forget that it's early. But yeah, why it's it, been a kind it, of a oh, go ahead, Chow. I was just gonna say, why is it different? Why is it so far ahead? I mean, so far behind. I just think of it like Chinese New Year, you know, <laughs> where it's a different stage. But... Yeah, just like it's one of those things that like around february time like i'll, I'll i hear the mention of it, it's like oh right that is, it is sometime this year the this time around but i never know the date because it always changes so i'm just like all right well power to you well it seems like a lot of online games now usually have some sort of like chinese new year red envelope festival sort of thing that creeps around like in that february time frame that's not always i'm like oh yeah it's that time of year <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's good. It's been kind of a quiet week. And I know obviously the holiday really is American centric, but it also just feels like uh, there's not been a ton of news. It's been a, a, you know, a quiet week on the uh, announcement front, quiet week on the game release front. So this should be a pretty casual, uh, just kind of catch up of wrapping up some, some game impressions, some, some news that has been trickling in as we go to the end of the year. It sounds like for our site that we're kind of leaning to a mid to late December time frame for discussing our game of the year uh considerations so until that point we will continue to have our weekly podcast uh as normal but it does give us more time to actually start to wrap up some of these november releases so we have you know the full picture going into those deliberations so that's gonna kind of be the sort of the the topic of this podcast is us going through games that have been brought up on the podcast before, but we weren't able to get our full thoughts. We had just started or we had our in-progress impressions, and now we're, we're either wrapping up or coming very close to it. So almost in a way, almost like a preview of what at least our very specific thoughts on for these games as we go into those deliberations. So uh, obviously the big release of the last month for our site and in general was Shin Megami Tensei. We'll talk about that a bit. Shin Megami Tensei 5, I mean. Uh, I did bring up Ruined King last week. Uh, I'll go into some final thoughts on that. And then James did talk about Pokemon as well last week. Uh, just initial impressions there. And I anticipate that he will go into some of his final thoughts on that. So those are going to be kind of like the three, uh, the three benchmarks for the first part of this podcast. Um, since it's been the longest since we've talked about it at length, uh, let's go into Shin Megami Tensei Five because I know Josh has been playing it and I've been putting time into it as well outside of uh, my time with Ruined King. So 
Josh, I think we last talked about Shin Megami Tensei Five two weeks ago. You were a few hours in. I was like one hour in. Uh, we had Adam on board to kind of give his full thoughts since he had the pre-release copy. Uh, but now that you've had time to put more, you know, more into it yourselves, uh, just what what is your you know what is your takeaway? What is your what, what are what are your kind of approaching concluding thoughts rounding into shape yeah. being? I'm like I'm about seventy hours in, and I'm about to like reach like the final like alignment lock. I already done the super boss, all the quests and whatnot. Um, You've so, already done the super boss. Yeah, I've already done super okay. boss. I, I pretty much have my final party ready to go, and just probably just like steamroll the the whatever the end game is. Um, it's it's an interesting title. I think that it it. Atlas focusing on these open zones, open environments. They're you know they're pretty intricate in their design, uh, especially when it comes to platforming up to you know collectibles, and th- that's a really cool like interesting like layouts for like ruined apocalypse uh, building uh, layouts and imagery and just like how you kind of platform yourself up uh, these sort of like ruins and it's 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 a cool idea. And uh, I like it for one game, and I don't think they should like revisit this type of style or openness for like a good while, like at least a decade for me. Because while it's an interesting sort of evolution of what they've been trying to do, I I think if they want to try to do this concept again, I would like it so they have like fewer of these open zones and have them smaller but denser. Because once you got to like the like the last open zone. I was just like, oh my god, this map is so big. There's a lot of like, yeah, it's it's cool that like there is a slight shift in like it's not like your typical sandy ruins uh type of uh environment. There there's somewhat more going on here. Uh and the way that it's narratively laid out, it feels like they not I don't know if they ran out of development time, but it feels like everything was just crammed into that final zone and kinda there's like this last narrative arc that you want to do, and like they kind of just cram it all in there in a way that just felt I don't know. It, it felt weird to me, and I was like, I don't know if I if I like. I, I kind of I conceptually liked the idea. I think the way it was doled out was underwhelming and somewhat rushed in the in that final open area. Uh, I think the the coolest thing that I like about it is sort of the way it narratively ties into. Uh, smt3 nocturne and four apocalypse because the way that the narrative is laid out is sort of the fallout of what happens in those games uh specifically in four apocalypse and how that ended uh and the the consequences of your actions with a certain final boss in that that has ripples throughout the entire i wonder if it'll have ongoing ripples in the entire mega 10 universe um, so obviously the, I'm ignorant to that because this is my first Shin Megami Tensei game properly. So like anything like that, like I I assume that this was completely divorced from it. No, so the, the, for anyone like for Apocalypse is a pretty old game at this point. So I will I will talk about some slight like some spoilers here on how that uh, is how that ends. So in SMT4 Apocalypse, uh, Nanashi and uh, his crew. Uh, go up against Yahweh, God, you know, and uh, the the way that uh, is handled is pretty cool because you have like a dual party mechanic in it by that point of the, uh, of that fight, and the outfall of that fight is essentially you're stripping God of his immor- immortality. So you're you're you've by the end of that battle, God isn't like 
completely gone, but you've you've made his status like of a of a demon almost because now God can be killed. Uh, you've stripped him of his, of his divine status uh, in that game. So the fallouts of that game is not just for that the universe that game's God alone. That's uh that's throughout the entire multiverse because in uh, Mega Ten lore, there's like a higher like sort of entity uh, above God called like the Axiom, or they they sometimes refer to it as like the Great Will, where it's kind of like a a a whole entire like omnipotent force that uh, sways like. Multiple universe, multiple universes inside that multiverse, and the axiom can be very like finicky. Some some games, it's more like law law leaning. Sometimes it's more it more favors uh, chaos leaning. But it, it seems to be all the underlying theme of this axiom is it seems to always be like on the side of like humans uh, reaching their potential, uh, essentially. And the and the alpha um, the fallout of for apocalypse. Uh, you see, you now see a universe in five where um, you see God is, has been stripped of his immortality. So things that happen in five and the things that you learn in five, it's like, oh, okay, so this is what a universe would look like if that was the case from the beginning. And then you have um, you, you have some of three Nocturne's influence there where, you know, when you're... Uh, exploring the world of dot uh if you look at the very first zone if you just like look up you see like this egg shape thing and then you'll you'll also see that this is like you, you kind of get you're clued in if you if you're if you've played nocturne it's like oh this is a uh, a world where it's like maybe a failed conception like a conception did happen but then something happened to like kagutsuchi uh from that and that's all i'll really say i don't want to get into it for people who are still playing through five but there are definitely like is strands of lore there that have been has been building up through the past games. That's like it's represented in five in like a really neat way, a very subtle know. way. Yeah, yeah. So it's a cool, it's a cool thing like how that pans out. But it's like it's sort of a, it's sort of in a weird position where there's there. I feel like there's a grander scope to the narrative of this game, and it just kind of all got squished together in a way that's kind of. I'm not. I'm not gonna say it was like amazing or fantastic, but it was like it was concise, but it felt too squished and concise. If that makes sense, so almost like too much economy in terms of being too brief, too superficial. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah so but, obviously, uh, my time with Shin Megami Tensei, I don't. I I don't know what I don't know. So I can't be like I. I probably yeah. like didn't even register this egg-shaped you know ruin in the first map because i had no reason to or no had no precedent for it um but what i keep going back to are some of adam's initial uh when uh, our first time talking about jimmy tensei 5 on the podcast adam basically led the conversation because he had put like seven million hours in, okay like 200 hours into it uh but he had mentioned that i i am basically near the end of the third zone i be i believe like the second major antagonist in that zone i have one more to go and then i'm going to this fourth zone where i know what adam what adam had said at this point in the game first of all you just mentioned that that apparently this last region is extra extra huge which kind of makes me kind of i always i always double like double think or question how much am i am i enjoying a game when someone tells me like the next zone is even larger i'm like oh man and i'm like bummed out <laughs> like i don't want it to be huge yeah. uh but 
but I really am kind of getting, first of all, I'm enjoying the game a lot. Like everything that I'm going to say till now is sort of just like the caveats or the nitpicks. Uh, so this game, I do think is going to be in my running for the top five of the year. I don't know if I put any higher than that, but these are nitpicks. These are sort of things now that I've had more time to stew on it, kind of critique it. Like, what am I not gelling with? I'm getting a lot of environmental fatigue by the third zone where it's everything starts to kind of blend together, look the same. I don't know how many times I've had to increase my elevation by going up a slanted semi-collapsed highway, you know, because they've used that sort of trick a lot to kind of give these maps verticality. Um, there's a lot of times where I'm just kind of like zigzagging through demons just because I'm trying to platform and get to a, a treasure box or a or a statue or whatever. And I'm just kind of like, please don't like, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. And I know, I know there's some ways that the game allows you to like use skills to avoid fighting until like the next new moon or whatever, but you don't always have that easily available. So there's in, there's in sort of some, sometimes like that where I'm really kind of feeling like the fatigue. And some of that I think is just my personal disposition where I always, I kind of get that almost in any open world game where I start to feel just a little bit like, I don't gel with that sort of place that I'd rather have something a little bit more bespokely designed a little bit more tailored to like a, a series of interlocking paths rather than just here's it's a also, playground. It's also the consequence fun. of, it's also the consequence of like gaming in general has trended in that direction of like where every, like it feels like almost every game wants to have like an open world, open zone, explorable type deal. And like the novelty is cool when you play like one or two of those a year, but when like 10 games want to do that thing, it's like, all right, well, here we go again. Open zone. Let's go explore. There's all these collectibles. Got to fight these things to uncover more of the map. Yeah, there's there's only so many ways you can implement, you know, a map uncovering mechanic. It's I do I do appreciate that they're kind of like micro bosses in Shin Megami Tensei. So that's okay. I think I would feel best if each of the regions had like more of a more of a specifically designed biome around it where it's like this place is a desert or this place is a forest um like and you get rise essentially <laughs> kind of uh and you get you get a little bit of that with like the ferry area in the second map where it changes the environment a bit and apparently the fourth mm -hmm. map i'm not i'm not at uh, really changes it up so there's a little bit of it i just kind of wish like i'm at the third map and i'm just like how many more semi-collapsed highways will i be trotting across because this is like 12 or something like yeah. that where I, I just need a little bit more variety I'm interested to hear, like, if I wonder if you're going to get to that fourth, like, map layout before they implement an update, because the SMT5 uh, is getting an update to, like, improve, like, camera improvements, whatever the fuck that means. Like, I know the camera's, like, not great, but I wonder how they're going to type that up. And then they also said they're working on, like, improving that area that you're about to go to, because it has, like, certain, like, gimmicks about, around it. And I wonder what if that if they're going to change it up drastically or not because like when I when I uh, maneuvered around that map I was like it's you know it's it's cool that it changes things up but it uh, it does drag itself out uh, in my opinion so I wonder if they're actually going to fundamentally change anything about it layout wise or to like squish it or whatnot I can't I don't please know don't tell it. me that it has like icy low friction platforming because that would be like my nightmare uh, um no comment yeah i will i will say that uh it doesn't have that but there's a, another uh co common uh environmental trope in it oh okay awesome looking yeah. forward to it uh, -huh. uh and i i know i might get a little bit um 
I actually do really enjoy how I mentioned the last time I talked about this game two weeks ago that I really just enjoy games that kind of just shut up and let you play. And they're very, they're kind of story light. I don't even know if I would call Shin Megami Tensei story light. It's just that so many games like in the Persona series uh, or other RPGs like Tales of Arise, which I played recently, have so much dialogue and so many like skits and so much voiced character interaction. When a game pulls back on that even a little bit, it feels like, oh, wow, like this is really brief. And I'm actually enjoying that. But Hopefully this hopefully doesn't come across the wrong way, but I am also feeling a little bit of battle fatigue where it just kind of feels like every five levels I have to do a bunch of micromanaging of my demons and fusing them up and uh, because I kind of outlevel the uh, the area and and it just it just kind of seems like I'm at, I'm at a point where the routine has also become stale. And yeah, I'm not saying yeah. that uh, oh man, I wish there was more you know social links or whatever, uh, but I kind of wish, Kind of in, in in comparison, in combination with a little bit of the map fatigue, I'm like, man, I wish there was just like an explorable dungeon or some sort of other way to interface the like maybe maybe have a chapter that takes place completely in in Tokyo, only not on the overhead map, like in an actual rendered version of the map or something just to change it up a bit. I just feel like I need a little bit more variety because I'm 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 at like the forty hour mark, forty five hour mark maybe. Uh, I think I'm that far. And I'm just feeling a bunch, a little bit of fatigue where it's like, yes, I'm enjoying the systems, but I'm doing like the same thing I was a map and a half ago where I'm just tearing up my demons, figuring out what the boss's uh, like weaknesses are and what I need to be resilient to, making sure I do my essence fusion to, uh, to, to counteract that and then come out on top. Uh, and it's just, I just wish there was a little bit something to change it up, even if it was like, here's a dungeon or here's a, here's a long optional side quest that is actually going to take a bit of time and effort. Or maybe, maybe that stuff's all shunted to the back of the last zone. I don't know. I will say, oh. though, that oh. I am uh, I am enjoying the, the – uh, I'm playing on normal difficulty, and I'm enjoying how much of a, how much of a challenge it still is where uh, I do – have to actually like engage my brain and think and there's there's so there i don't there is no like one strategy beats all because you're gonna you're gonna run into a, a boss or a mini boss that just will happen to do something that your current setup is absolutely not suited for and you know wipe the floor with you and you will have to change it up and i'm enjoying that uh the only thing that i think is a little weird is that i feel like a lot of bosses are sort of trivialized in a way once you learn what their magatsuhi skill is like uh, i was fighting uh one of the characters who uh, a major character from the trailer from the trailers uh, yakumo yakuno and he he was a very strong physical attacker i'm like all right i'll make myself like resistant to physical attacks but then he did his like Mats, Mat, Mat, Matsui's, Mats, i can't say it his his overdrive Matsui. skill yeah. and i believe if i remember right it was a lightning attack and it wrecked my party and i'm like god damn it but then uh all i did is the next time i would i, I went and just reloaded my save and went to fight him again and when he powered up his ability i just used one of those electric dampeners which basically just says like you know fuck you i i don't care about your your overcharge ability anymore and it made him way easier and that that sort of that sort of just like trial and error strategy has where has like served me well pretty much throughout the whole game just learn what element their their ultimate skill is use a dampener to basically completely nullify it and then their their capabilities outside that skill are usually pretty easily countered so i'm hoping yeah, the later I, bosses are maybe a little bit less you know turnkey like that but i am still enjoying the level of challenge in the game overall i i the, that's one of the things that's like weird to me is i think the, the a lot of, not a lot of the challenge but i think 
the dampeners uh the dampeners being like you know these items that that nullify like an element or a physical attack is fine for the whole party i think them being so cheap in the shop is a weird move because you can always just easily stock up on them except for physical dampeners but for the elemental ones they're very cheap and you can just stock up on them like you know you can only carry three but that's all you really need to like last the battle and yeah i I think that's that's one of those weird like inclusions like i would have been fine with them if they were more expensive like because like oh there's there's a cost to like using or you could only hold one so it's like is this the time you want to use it you know expend it or whatever and yeah there's like a demon skills have the demons will also have skills like called resist electric or whatever where they can cast the same thing it's like well i'm not gonna waste a slot on that skill because i can just buy three of those items for 200 gold a pop or whatever and you can get the uh the miracle that allows any demon to use any item so you don't even gain like the versatility there uh so that's like the only mechanical thing that i think it's kind of weirdly tuned it's just like all right this boss is challenging but as long as you know which dampener to use and win you've you've immediately made it like 50 percent easier on yourself just with that one simple item it's like oh okay other than that i think i think that the gameplay for me is like is fine where it's at like i i do like the gameplay overall i just my friend and i were talking about this uh just last night but you know, we have all these little nitpicks. We still really like the game. We have all, but we have all these really like, you know, very like small nitpicks. Uh, like you know, because we've been playing this series a lot uh, over the years, and I think I just I summed it up by I think our impression of this game would be a lot more different if our first impression of this game or how we first experienced it wasn't on like the the current performance on its Switch. Yeah. You know? Because the the you know it's, it's happened like in in reviews and even in Adam's review it's just like it just sucks. This is a Switch exclusive. The dock performance um is sucks. There's like a lot of like button like input lag. Like if you're trying to menu really fast, mm-hmm. um yeah like you know the the handheld performance is better. Still not like amazing, but it's better ish. Uh. And it's just oh, like, I, oh, I noticed man. that because I was playing it docked and then I played it handheld. I'm like, is this just running better? Or am I just like acclimating to the performance in handheld no, mode? It runs better. It runs better. Oh, than all right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that I had that impression. It apparently is uh, true. Yeah. And um, because it just, it just like now, like on that particular fight that you were in, there, like for some reason, uh, anytime like my demons, we're using like a skill that fight. It would take like maybe one and a half seconds for it to actually like load in and like for them to do that skill. And now I'm just like getting like these weird like freezes um, when like using items and whatnot sometimes too. And it's just like, man, this fucking like sucks. Well, there's all, like, there also <laughs> might be like subtle ways that the that the performance is affecting the game. Like for instance, you mentioned how there's. There's a patch that they've sort of detailed, but haven't talked about any sort of um, release schedule for it. And or, and I guess sort of detailed because they say like camera improvements or whatever. And I wonder if one of the things that I don't like is how zoomed in the camera is. It's very immersive, I suppose, but it also makes platforming a chore a bit, especially if you're trying to like avoid enemies while also like tr- timing a tricky jump. And part of me is wondering, like, is the camera like zoomed in, like with a low frame of uh, field of view? And in- 
in for per- performance considerations. I wonder if they pulled it out, if it would even be worse. So part of me is like, I hope they address that. Or if there's a PC port that people just learn how to like manipulate the cameras to finally just like widen your scope a bit. Like, oh, thank God. Because I feel like that would be a, a significant boost to my enjoyment right there, just to pull the camera out just a tad, because I feel like it's just hugging way too close. Okay, uh, how about this? You, you'll get that, but in exchange, you're, you're, uh, you're losing three to four frames per second in exchange. In general, uh, well, uh-huh. I, just, I hate this choice. Yeah, um, well, there's a, look, the switch is horsepower. It can only hold. It can only render so much on the screen. So. Uh, I, I will get. I will throw them a bone and say, like, the, I think the better trade-off is to pull the camera in because, uh, just the. I don't. I don't know if I could. The, if the frame rate was consistently <laughs> lower, that would just. I don't know. That would be a. That would not be a trade-off that I think would really benefit much. But, uh, yeah, I just. It 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 bums me out, like you know, when people say like general sentiments, like, well, it's a turn-based game. Who cares if there's like shitty performance or lower frame rate? Because it's a turn-based game. It's like, man, come on, you got to be kidding me! Like, you re- you really like menuing uh, like through that? It's just. And um, a part of me wonders that's like like you well, you'll like select. Uh... What you meant by the menu lag is when you select like an ability for uh, your character or, or a demon to use, and you're like, no, wait, I want to back up and use an item instead. You have to press B to go back to like the the top menu, and then you got to wait like a second for it to actually like register your inputs. And I here I am trying to like press B, press down, press A because I want to go from skills to items. But if you do it too quickly, it doesn't register, and it's just it's just it makes it even feel like not only is the frame rate slow, but like your inputs have to be deliberate and kind of slow as well. And it, it just oh, kind of it's also great as well like uh, like you do the auto attack um as you're you you like sometimes i pre- i double tap auto attack because the menus are going so slow and uh, and as a result uh when you when you're about to like attack you cancel the auto attack so it's going super slow and yes it's like during like an animation you can't like switch back on auto attack mid attack so you just have to watch the super slow auto attack animation finish and get back to the battle menu and like re-enable it because you menu too fast and another so. thing that I've had is when I just recently guarded for a Matsui attack or something, and then I'm like pressing the, the skill icon, and then uh-huh. uh, it it goes. At least I believe this is a setting you can configure where it goes. It remembers what your last option was, and I wanted to select an ability now, but I select guard instead because it didn't register my up or down press. I'm like, darn it, I'm guarding again for no reason. But yeah, these so. these are all nitpicks. I still really like the game. I know I just kind of like railed <laughs> on it for like ten minutes. It's just like, man, I, this game would be cherry like easy number one i think if it just had a little bit more variety in the environments if it had a little bit more variety on the overworld type of gameplay if it performed better uh and if there was something else to kind of just change up the like the combat sort of fatigue of, in some way yeah. um, I, I still yeah i still i still like the game quite a fair bit i don't it's it's definitely not my favorite smt uh it does a lot of cool ideas but i don't think it would rank uh, as my favorite smt um it's just uh, like I like I said, like I feel like my impression of this game would be drastically different and probably better if my fr- if my, my first hands on with it wasn't like the Switch, if, if this yeah. was released anywhere else, you know, and had like consistent frame rate and like better feeling menu menuing. It's just it's just it's just those things that add up. And then like now when I think about this game, like years ago, like you know years past and whatnot, I'm like, yeah, I remember like the initial Switch release for this game. If it does get ported anywhere else, you know, it's like oh. So, oh, but, you know, it's it's fine. I, I I can't wait to like finish finish it like later on and just have the final thing and like 
Do you see how it goes? So another game that I talked about briefly last week was the surprise launch of Ruined King, a League of Legends story. Uh, it shadow dropped in the middle of last week during, uh, I think, like Riot Forge's second anniversary. And Riot Forge was their publishing arm that was announced two years ago. And Ruined King was basically the first game announced under that new label. And basically, they shadow dropped it on like the 16th saying, here it is. Uh, so I've been playing through that. It was kind of like a, I, it kind of interrupted my Shin Megami Tensei playthrough, which I only recently got back to. Um, and I gave my initial impressions last week about uh, Ruined King and I, how I really liked what they did with the, with the combat system. Um, I sort of talked about how I could kind of glean how the characters they picked from the main PC game were adapted to fit into this turn-based you know, framework of, of this game, how it compared to some of Airship Syndicate's previous work. Um, so I finished the game a couple days ago, and my impressions have soured a bit and not purely in terms of performance in this case it's more in terms of kind of a lack of polish uh luckily i played this game on pc because apparently it's way worse in uh on the console versions where if you go to like the reddit for this game people talk about crashes on the ps4 and crashes on the switch or complete lockups or freezes and i didn't have those uh but i had issues where like so it started out small so this is obviously the uh let me just back up a tiny bit just give like 60 seconds of of prelude this is a this is a turn-based rpg set in the league of legends universe you get six characters basically i presume some of the most popular from the moba game which i am a neophyte too so i feel like there's kind of like two populations of people that would play this game people who are league of legends you know veterans who basically want to experience this ip and other avenues whether it's uh an rpg or a new netflix show or whatever and then there's people like me who really like rpgs and have enjoyed some of airship syndicate's previous work and has no knowledge at all about league of legends so i'm i'm learning about characters like misfortune and brahm and uh yasuo for the first time and i have no preconceptions for who they are in the game or what their stories are or anything um and it's it plays it borrows so much from Battle Chasers Night War. I actually, uh, which was Airship Syndicate's like 2017 release. Um, and I was actually watching some gameplay from that game, some footage, and I could actually see like, oh, they borrowed this animation completely. They just like re-rigged it to to the new models, which I'm 100% okay with. That's just working smart. Uh, but it's just, it kind of shows you exactly that it was just kind of built off that framework, uh, which makes sense. Uh, but initially the bugs started to be like, you pick up a treasure chest on the map and it wouldn't record it in your log. Like very kind of superficial. Does that really matter? Nah. Or you would complete a quest in your journal and it wouldn't like show, it wouldn't mark itself as complete. Like, eh, does that really matter? Uh, probably not. It's, 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 it's a little bit annoying because I like to have like a... That would, that would annoy me. <laughs> yeah, it does annoy me whenever like quests get stuck in the log and I'm like, I know I did this or whatever. Did I get the reward? I think so. But then it started to be a little bit more like actually invasive where it's like the game thinks you picked up this item, but you haven't. You can see it laying on the floor, but you cannot interact with it. Therefore, you can no longer craft this weapon. Like, oh, man, I guess that's off the table. Or... Um, uh, there, there's a part where you basically uh, are trying to defeat a certain number of enemies for, for a simple side quest, uh, but the, a cutscene and a battle try to initiate at the same time, and like I hear the battle music going in the background, but the but the screen is blank, so I basically it's like I'm playing with a blindfold. Like I can hear all the people in my team like carrying out their abilities and skills, but I cannot see what I'm selecting, so that's good. <laughs> and it's just and that then like sounds I, pretty buggy. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, is it good, right? <laughs> 
No, it's yeah, and like the further I got, like the less polished it seemed. And it like I eventually it's not the worst I've seen. I, I was able to finish the game, but it just got like worse and worse as I went on. And if you've read my review for uh Airship Syndicate's last game, Darksiders Genesis, I had a lot of the same problems. So I guess I kind of hoped that that game was published by THQ. This game was published by Riot uh Riot. And I was kind of hoping like all right, maybe they'll have different standards for like the state they have to release the game in. But uh, it's like this is almost like a trend now where it's the last two games from Airship have not released in a great state. And the most interesting thing, I think, is this game was shadow dropped. It didn't have a release date. And they just kind of said, here it is. Have fun. Only they released it in this state. It's like, OK, I guess they had to, they had some sort of like fiscal commitment to to release it now when surely the QA team knew about these issues. Um, but they just decided that it was in a shippable state and they said, we can we can deal with this later. Here you go. Uh, so I just kind of thought that was an interesting decision. Obviously, I don't I'm not equipped with whatever knowledge they had upon arriving to the decision to release it like that. Uh, but it did kind of sour my if basically if this game was I won't say perfectly polished. If it was polished to a significantly degree higher than it currently is, I would have said this game is probably in my top five for the year because I think it did some things really cleverly and really, really smartly and in a very unique way that no other game touched on this year. Uh, And I thought it was a a fun gateway to, you know, this lore and this IP that I have no experience and no, no history with. But then I just got really soured as I was pushing through these bugs in the back half of the game. And I was just kind of like, man, like the potential here I can see. Now it's sort of like maybe a fringe top 10, depending on like what its competition is. And you might argue whether where it ends up on the final list doesn't matter. That's artificial. That doesn't, you know, who cares? But it just like my my experience with the game was soured. And now I'll think back on it less fondly, I suppose. Um, uh, I did talk about last week how it uses kind of like the lane system where it has like this timeline that you uh, that you interact with in terms of deciding where your characters uh, carry out their actions in a, in a manner very similar to like the Kaseki games, except for the most recent one. Uh, so I won't I won't de- I won't delve into that a bit, but I'm currently writing up my review for the game. And that is probably like the single most characteristic part of this game that i think kind of makes it stand out that it was able to because turn-based battle systems are they've been around for three decades or more so there's not a whole lot you can do to 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 exactly like upright that table it's it's kind of pretty much set and people have kind of you know established it and tweaked it and modified it but here i think it is uh they did they did find a little bit of a niche where it's like all right we're going to uh do something a bit different here it kind of maybe cynically superficially uh attaches to how the league of legends lanes work in the in its um summoner's rift map so you might think that's a little bit cheeky or or cheesy even uh but i I think it ends i think the the final product ends up working pretty well and uh, i'll have that by the time you're listening to this podcast i'll probably have this review up on the site uh if not it'll be by um by next week but it's I enjoyed it as a fan of turn-based RPGs, as a fan of turn-based combat. I did think it was doing enough different and enough unique to really kind of stand out. The, but we didn't wait for a patch. We'll wait for a patch. And then mm-hmm. one thing I will... The, the only other c- concept that I will bring up is the storytelling is... And I might have talked about this briefly because I think this impression I had pretty early on with the game is that it's very kind of blunt. It's very to the point. It's almost bland in a way where every character, I feel like League of Legends players going into this know how these characters like behave and what their what their voice acting is like and what their current like attitude is like. So they kind of have these well-defined 
manners and mannerisms and they can't strive they can't stray too far from that so it feels like pretty much every character in this game is very straight and narrow in terms of like not a lot of nuance not a lot of like conflicting ideals or 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 you know not a, not a lot of things to really latch onto in terms of like motivations or or things like that it's just like here's brahm he is happy go lucky about everything and he cares about people that's his whole character uh here's misfortune she uh she enjoys power and she wants people to respect her she has a very strict sense of justice that's her character like every character has kind of like two or three boilerplate kind of sentences there's not a lot of depth to it which i think is fine but what that results in is that there's some character interactions that are almost like comically terse where you'll see a little glowing spot on the map where you if you walk into this glowing spot you'll have like a little bit of an interaction between a couple of your party members and sometimes they're so short that i feel like i don't get anything from them where it might be three lines of dialogue where uh alawi a basically a very religious character will come and say like i'm questioning the motivations of my god naka kaburos and then one of the one of the other characters will be like i i think you know we have more pressing matters at hand and then she'll say indeed and then that'll be it like that'll that'll be like, <laughs> like that, that that's a hypothetical one but sometimes it is like three lines of dialogue and they it's basically just feels like nothing is conveyed there's nothing to latch on to it almost just feel like space filling i don't think the game would have lost anything just to not have those so it's and even like the the actual story cutscenes are better and some of the cinematics i think are actually pretty good it's just that outside of the main story there's so little interaction between the characters it barely feels like a party at all it just kind of feels like you know these who these six champions are because you've played league of legends right right and i'm like no i haven't (laughs) yeah um so, and I do kind of make that very clear in my in my review draft is that I'm I'm in a camp of people that I think is going to be, you know, I have no idea like how many people are going to be approaching this game from the same viewpoint I have, but that is that I have I have I had no idea what Bilgewater was or what the Ruination was or what the Ionians are and what Noxus is and things are probably referenced that other people will it's almost kind of similar to the Shimigami Tensei thing where I'm sure there was like a character name dropped or or place referenced where for me it's just like a proper noun that someone blabbed in a cutscene and someone's be like oh I know what that is or who that's referring to and I'm like I don't know what I don't know so that kind of was lost on me but I do still think that like I my experience wasn't lessened for being a a newcomer to the IP Uh, so I still think the game is pretty good top 10 for the year i i'm glad i played it it's it's not if if shin megami tensei 5 had an issue with kind of being a bit bloated in terms of the size of the maps the uh the number of battles just kind of how much they try to squeeze in uh, i actually do kind of appreciate how ruined king avoids that entirely there was no point in this game where i felt like it went one dungeon too long or or one quest too long or or one side objective too much it doesn't feel bloated at all it feel kind of it kind of feels like it ended right when it needed to so uh, i think it took me like 25 or 30 hours so uh it was kind of it was kind of nice to nice to play something that was well paced uh and i never i never felt any sort of the fatigue there just just the fatigue of having to push through bugs i need to start playing these slimmer games man because yeah. uh, i've been playing these bloated games back to back from srw to smt i'm like oh my fucking god what am i doing my mood life? mood <laughs> yeah so just uh but, but yeah, that's cool. I mean, I definitely want to give it a shot once, you know, the it's been ironed out and the bugs have been patched up for the most part. It's mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see, like, I, I may, it might very well be another situation where you push out the review and it's uh, like a day or two later, they're like, oh, well, we patched up everything. Everything's 
uh, great now, like with Path of the Righteous. Yeah, and uh, there were just to, just for clarity, there were a couple patches released like before I released before I played it. I think there was one major hot fix for like a specific area where it could actually like lock up the game and another one that fixed like a couple of rudimentary things but i was still having issues so it's like this is this is not me playing version 1.0 and complaining about it this is version 1. whatever and it's still lingering things but yeah it's gonna be event- weird like it's like it's like it's like we're like slowly dipping our toes into like 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 uh this whole world and universe that like i just have no idea of like league of legends it's like i know it's a big thing but i don't really i've never really paid attention uh to it at all like you so you know i'm kind of interested to see like where i fall on that when i play this game it's like it won't even be the last time too because i really want to give that project l fighting game a shot when that comes out like in i don't know 23 2023 24 who knows yeah there's a project l fighting game there's a project f action adventure game there's another action adventure game that's come as like a zelda like that uh I think the character is like nura or numa i don't know the league of legends characters i'm sorry <laughs> but uh mm-hmm. the there's basically there's and obviously there's the you know, netflix show and uh, so many other ways that they're trying to leverage their ip so it, if i end up you know gelling with it a lot maybe there'll be maybe i'll try the zelda like or some of the other sorts of things that they do or you'll try the fighting game so uh, it seems really smart. I, I, I definitely, I definitely will try the fighting game because the, the they released like a like a sort of like early look on it recently, and like I was pretty impressed with what they showed. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that, this seems really cool. It's like a a two v two tag fighter, and you know the the Cannon Brothers, who the basically the founders of Evo, uh, are working on it. So they, you know they've really stressed you know about like online infrastructure and netcode and how that's really important to them and how they're dealing with that, and just like the just the really cool like gameplay mechanics they showed off like i really it's unlike you know how arc system works did like their guilty gear strive trailers or kof 15 with their character trailers like that like those are frustrating because like it's barely it's like a 30 second trailer with maybe seven seconds of gameplay like in the in there while this is like a really like deep dive like hey here we'll introduce you like our first character uh echo and like the echo uh has like special moves where like uh they'll leave like an after image uh, of them and then you can like warp back to that after image like mid like combo and like whoa that's really freaking cool uh how like you're implementing that uh showing like time manipulation uh reflected in like a fighting game character like whoa that's that that you have something really really interesting in your hands and and I I hope it it does really well and uh just just a correction the uh the the game that I was thinking of was Song of Nunu uh, is I guess like kind of an action adventure Zelda like that is also under development with Riot Forge, so yeah. And then the last game that we talked about last week briefly with some initial impressions was the uh, release of the new Pokemon remasters, uh, Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. I think at the time uh, James has like four hours in or so and was just giving some very initial impressions, and we talked about mostly the it was. Wasn't it? It was more than four hours. It was like oh, I... fourteen or something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like halfway through. I was halfway and through. I, and I and I know most of the discussion there was talking about kind of what they gained and lost by basing it off of Diamond and Pearl and not basing it off of Platinum. Uh, so I don't know now that if you have if your impressions have changed at all now that you've uh, completed through the game and or if you're into the post game or just just what are your thoughts now just continuing on from your initial th- uh, takeaways from last week. So I think less of the game's issues comes from the fact that it's not based off Platinum this time, but rather the game itself just feels kind of like mismatched. Like 
there's aspects of the game where they really tried to make things different, like the Grand Underground, and then there's aspects where they're trying rigidly to be the exact same game, like on a tile by tile basis as the originals. And some of that just doesn't work together. Like the controls is a, is a massive example of that. Like obviously the DS originals were tile based and you only had a D pad. So when you pressed on the D pad once you would move one tile or one square in that direction. And this game tries to have the tile system underneath everything. So if you use a D-pad, you're supposed to be able to play the game just as if you were playing it on the DS. But there's been multiple occasions where that doesn't work out. And I'm not sure if I mentioned this last week. I think I kind of did. Where um, I was in Mount Coronet, and I was like, oh, this is like a very narrow passage. And at the bottom of it, there's like one square. And then if I go over one square, I'll accidentally hop down. I have to go all the way around. I'm going to switch to my D-pad so I can just do that without worrying about hopping it down. And I tried it three times with the D-pad. Every single time, it just hopped me off no matter what. So I had to switch using the analog stick. And it's like stuff like that. And I'm sure there's other examples because like after that, I was just like, I'm not even touching the D-pad ever again. This is can't trust it. Can't trust it. And there's all these bugs that have been coming out from the game that seemed to be a result of that very issue. Like there's an out of bounds glitch. There is, um, a, um, I, I saw, I, I, saw. Know, I, I know there was one, there's like either someone found like, Hey, you can skip like every battle in the game, basically. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of jank to this game and it's really kind of putting in perspective just how actually competent uh, game freak is. Cause this isn't game freak. This is Ilka. And it's like, most of the bugs you won't find unless you're actively looking for them. But then there are others like there have been multiple times in my playthrough where during a long session, I'm not sure if it's like a memory leak or something, but half my sound effects just stop working. Like I'm in a menu and like usually when you move from one item to the next or you move, um, uh, you use the user interface in the menu like each time you move like your cursor you'll hear a click or some sound and there's been times where it's like i don't hear like more than half of them or there's even been situations where just all the sound is cut out entirely and it's like i still hear the music in the background so it's just the sound effects there's bugs where you can get the menu open when it shouldn't be open. Like the battle skip glitch has to do with doing that to basically have it open when a battle starts. So you have like the bag menu and all that while you're transitioning into a battle. And then you just skip the battle doing something in the menu. I forget exactly what it's like. This game is held together by duct tape. And sometimes you can see, see it start to peel and it's hilarious most of the time. But then there's like stuff that does impact enjoy- enjoyment. Like there's um, instances where people have been stuck in the underground or they've been stuck in the underground and then they haven't been able to get out. There's been instances where they've gotten behind uh, people on the overworld and they can't get out. And if they don't have a Pokemon with teleport or they haven't unlocked fly yet, they're just stuck there. And because of the auto save, if they, try oh, to go no. into the underground to try and like get find a way out of that mess and they pop back out 
there was a backup save, but because of it, if they try to go underground and then come back out, they just screw themselves over because it just auto saves over to the backup save. It's I didn't run into that, thankfully, but it's like, man, there's so many little issues with this game that kind of come back to if they just hadn't rigidly made this game a tile for tile remake, if they had redone the map design even a little bit to accommodate for analog movement instead of being like, we should try and have it both ways where it's like, you can use the D-pad, doesn't work, or you can use the analog stick, it feels janky. It's just... Is the D-pad issue a combination of the software? Or I remember we complained about the Switch D-pad, like talking about... I'm I'm playing on the light. Oh, okay. So does that have have a better D-pad? I don't know. Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, The issues with the light D-pad are diagonals, but that doesn't matter for Pokemon because you can't move diagonally with the D-pad in the first place. I did see something. I forget if you mentioned this specifically when talking about that, but because of the way that they did the tile remake and the, uh, the movement diagonally possible i saw people like skipping like the ice gym puzzle because like it doesn't account for that I've and then there's been that. people that have gotten stuck in the ice gym puzzle <laughs> and can't move <laughs> out of it <laughs> so it's elka did a, a decent job for the most part and most of these bugs will be fixed the overall jankiness of the movement i don't think you can fix it it's just kind of inherent they might fix the d-pad stuff hopefully but Besides that, I will say one thing that really shocked me is how difficult the Elite Four was. Like, gym battles and, like, the overall, like, main game is pretty damn easy. Experience share makes the game a joke if you do any sort of, hey, I'm going to go off the beaten path and try and catch a specific Pokemon. Just it, It's just inevitable. Like, I basically decided I'm going to catch all the unknown early in the game. And then because of that, I was constantly, like, five to ten level... Oh. Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> my parents thought. Um, um, but yeah, because of that, I was basically constantly like five to ten levels above like the rest of the gym leaders for most of the game. And it only really kind of came back and like got closer to the Elite Four stuff at the end of the game because there's like a huge level spike normally at the Elite Four. <laughs> but um it's actually kind of ridiculous what they've done with the Elite Four and the Champion. Uh, they gave them fully competitive move sets. They have perfect IVs. They are perfect. They are fully EV trained, which this is all like lingo for Pokemon. Basically, they gave the Elite Four and Champion competitive Pokemon teams. I, like, I remember EV. I'm sorry, this is a tangent, but man, I remember uh, EV training where you just like kill. 20 or 30 of the same wild Pokemon because it gives you two or three speed or strength EVs or what, man, this just, this just takes yeah. me back. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so interesting stuff. There's going to be a lot of kids that get this for Christmas and then you get stuck at the elite four because Holy shit, there's, there's some devious combinations and the AI is actually pretty good at guessing what a competent player would do when faced with, uh, certain setups or certain Pokemon. For example, I um on Cynthia, the champion, I sent out Electivire to take out Melodic. The um AI swapped out Melodic with Gastrodon, which is a water ground type. So obviously ground means, oh well I can't hit it with an electric type attack. It's probably going to use Earthquake. So I immediately swapped out to my flying type, Ponch Crow, 
And the AI, instead of using Earthquake, because they saw that I had other Pokemon left, and because they assumed that a competent player would be like, oh, I'll switch to a Flying-type Pokemon, ha ha ha, the Gastrodon used Rock Tomb <laughs> instead of Earthquake. And Rock's <laughs> good against great. Flying, right? Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> It's like it's it's actually hilarious. Are you saying my like, my ten year old strategy? Uh, that's me being ten years old. Uh, strategy of just training up the starter to level one hundred is not going to cut it. Well, because of XP share, you don't have to worry because all of your other Pokemon right. are going to be leveled at the same time. But don't worry, I did that when I was a kid too. But <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, just brute force with your higher level, or that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be hilarious seeing some kids struggle with the champion because it's like man this is this is actually legitimately difficult like here's an example they uh um not just the champion but one of the elite fours has a drift blim and one of the things they did is they gave it minimize so it would greatly boost its evasion and and it's coded to do it two or three times and then baton pass to a infernape so basically if they get it off, you're basically screwed because that Infernape is going to have incredibly high evasiveness. So you're never going to hit unless you specifically have a Pokemon with Aerial Ace and get lucky to go to move first. Because he's just going to absolutely wreck your team because it, he's going to be unstoppable. Hell <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's, it's great seeing that. And then there was like, I was wondering why, like, the first Elite Four members, uh, Drapion, was uh, doing so much damage. I'm like, man, this guy, why is he hitting so many critical hits? And it's like, oh, he has, he has, he has a critical lens. And it's like, oh, that's why. It's a 50% chance of a critical hit. And its skill makes critical hits deal more damage. And it's got the perfect IVs and probably the same type attack bonus. Is that still a thing? Yep. That <laughs> uh... bonus. It's it's really cool. So it's like, that's a frustrating thing about this remake. There's moments where it's like, man, Elka really decided to go off the rails, do something interesting with the series. Like the Grand Underground has issues. Uh, I'm going over in my review, but it's like the idea is solid. The changes that they made to gym battles, especially rema uh, rematches and the stuff they did with the Elite Foreign Champion, that's really cool. I want to see more of that. But everything else, well, not everything else, the battle backgrounds look great. Like the visuals in battles look amazing. And it's going to be subjective about how people feel about like the chibi art cell. But I said this last week, it's like people are going to be upset and are upset about like all the other remakes were brought up to the standards of the games at the time. And this one's like, it looks worse than let's go. And it's like, that kind of sucks, <laughs> but like the music's great. The changes that they've made to the battle system well, not changes to the battle system, but the stuff with the Elite Foreign Champion, I want to see more of that. It's cool that all the gym leaders get rematches kind of in that same vein. I think it's actually two rematches for each trainer, which is pretty ridiculous. So that's like good for the post game. It's like, I enjoyed it. I'm probably going to keep playing it like through the post game here and there. But it's like so conflicting because it's like there's the bugs. There's the stuff that they should have changed. Like, Pokemon variety, which the Grand Underground kind of fixes, but not really because of issues. Like, again, I'll go over it in my review. And it's like, this is a really interesting game to talk about just because there are really good aspects of it. 
but then there's so many like huge flaws to it where it's like, man, this is like, you know how there's when you give a game like a six or a seven and it's like, man, this game just kind of feels meh. And then there's like games where it's like a six or seven. It's like, man, there's really good aspects of this. I wish I could give it higher. It's one of yeah. those sixes. Or yeah, it's it's one of those things where there is no universally agreed on rubric where uh, a seven. What does a seven mean? It, that completely depends on the outlet, the writer, the context of the review, etc. Where if this game did something incredibly well, which it sounds like it does a few things pretty well, like that might be enough to bolster its uh, whatever you end up its score. But I guess that's what we we go to the the usual adage of you know the review is more important than the number attached to it. So <laughs> yeah, it's usually the case. Yeah. But, uh, just, I'm interested. So that'll be two reviews. It'll hopefully go up within the next week or so. Uh, that'll be for, um, ruined King and for Pokemon. And it sounds like we kind of have a similar sort of like takeaway. And to be honest, I'm, I'm going to try to broaden the scope here and bring in the Shin Megami Tensei discussion because that had that had fewer like explicit bugs or you know unevenness there but it was more in terms of performance so it kind of gets it kind of always puts us in this weird spot where it's like we, we can only judge shin megami tensei on the platform that it's currently out on we can only judge ruined king and pokemon at the state that they've released in and those are going to have to come into consideration when in a month we're ranking these things even though in two years all of these things might either go away or be attenuated a little bit. Um, so, but you know, that's just, that's kind of the world we live in. We have to, we have to like put a stamp on it at some point. We can't go on faith. That'll be, uh, that it'll be fixed because you know, that, that was sort of the tact that Alex took with cyberpunk where he's like, yeah, it'll probably be fixed. <laughs> and uh-huh. we're like, uh. uh-huh. So you want to give developers like the benefit of the doubt. Cause I've seen like owl cat, uh released so many rapid patches for their two releases with both which both released in a buggy state and i've seen you know other other games really get polished up quite quickly but then but then you just you don't know if you can take that on faith uh and it does kind of sour your impression based on when you play the game first so you kind of have to keep it in mind without balancing it too heavily without ignoring it outright it's it's it's, it ends up becoming very tricky but that's been our experience with these three games there's usually been something technical or something polish wise or balance wise that kind of just keeps them. You, know, you can see the aspiration, you can see what they were going for, but you have to kind of take it, take it in as a you know as a whole product, and that's kind of what we, what we what our impressions are based on what what we played. Yeah, it's just I I, I could never like uh, uh, like fairly criticize or critique a game that where I had to like rely on uh, on faith that it'll get fixed eventually. It's like ah, you know, they'll 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 sort yeah. that. It's like. Come on. Like, Cyber, I, I Cyberpunk to... will be amazing in 2025, okay? Mm. Uh, if you say so. All right, I, 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 I don't believe I, that either. <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking about, you know, now that I have a, a PC that's capable of running it, I'm like, when's, when's the right time? It's like, Because uh, I, I don't know what to expect out of, like, these... Out of the future of that game, like, in terms of, like, patches and fixes and whatnot, and are they... I don't know what I'm waiting for, for, like, to, to try, out, try out that game. I know Adams would wait. I, I feel kind of bad that we just like, t- we just like, oh, buggy games. Let's talk about Cyberpunk again. Uh, I mean, but that's the we'll, biggest example, you know. That's the we'll ha- and, we'll, and we'll have to talk about it in a month or so. Yeah, it's yeah, eligible it's, it's, this year. Uh, yeah. 
that's but I know Adam was holding off and you were holding off. So I'm, I'm looking forward to like a, an episode of the podcast in, I don't know, a year, a year and a half where we just have like this weird, all right, let's revisit <laughs> Cyberpunk tangent. But let's say if they fix it, it's like completely fix it. Would your review score change now? It's like, would you go back and revisit or is it a done deal? I mean, <laughs> okay, we already the, gave the, 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 the funny thing about that is we already gave that review score uh, on faith. Alex already gave it a nine because on faith that they'll get uh, they'll iron it out. And, you know, that it's is, a year later. It still isn't where it needs to be. So it's, uh, you know. No, it, don't it, just, just look at the roadmap, guys. Fixes and improvements. Just look at the roadmap. <laughs> Man, okay, I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait for Anthem next. It's on the roadmap. Surely yeah. it's happen. Yeah. All right. It's so a, trying to trying to like reel this back in, even though I feel but, responsible for like pushing it out in the first place. Okay, it's, okay, it's interesting. It's interesting, right? Like, in a sense, do you think now that like people will have like a greater appreciation for Game Freak because at least they they release state quote unquote stable games, whatever the yes. fuck that means. Oh. Yes, it's like in retrospect, Game Freak has been like redeemed in some fans' eyes. Yeah, yeah. I, I unironically, I think so because like all of these people are seeing these bugs, and it's like, man, for all of the issues like with performance and Sword and Shield and like the wild area, the game was like stable. It didn't like it didn't have this, this many glitches. <laughs> you couldn't skip the Elite Four with an exploit, at least. Yeah, well, well, well watch, uh, watch in a few months when Arceus comes out. <laughs> and then that just and, like, and, and the Adage will be like, at least it's not Ilka <laughs> or Ilsa, how we pronounce that. Uh, that's weird. Again, I feel bad for Ilka because, again, this is their first time working on a Pokemon yeah. project. Obviously, they were impacted by COVID and the pandemic. Like, most of this game's development time happened during COVID. I'm willing yeah. to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm sure it'll be fixed in like a couple of months. Like Pokemon, the okay. Normally, I'd be like, maybe it'll be patched, maybe it won't. But there's one exploit that lets you clone Pokemon. They're patching this fucking game. Yeah, <laughs> it's a. Uh, I, I don't it's know. I, I just yeah, it's it's one of those things that you you now now like people have seen. That's the recurring trend of this year. It's like you just see. A lot of companies putting out their like Twitter text posts of like, "Oh, we're delaying our game." Yeah, we're sorry to inform you that we're delaying your game. You know, you just see that again and again and again throughout this year. It's like, and I think that's a big conversation now that's been happening this year. Now that companies are like, say, like I'm sure there have been like many meetings behind the scenes this year. It's like, do you want to be the next Cyberpunk? Do you want to release this like, uh, you know, and be the next Cyberpunk? I'm sure that's like a lot of like meetings behind the scenes of like went to release games uh now weird weird have have any of you been keeping on top of a uh, new world or no yes yes i have uh, my friends and i it feels like every single day there's like a new bug uh for new world and it's really been really funny to like just talk about it and see with friends because they've been kind of semi-following like what's just been happening with that game and it's just it, think of the, think of the gif of like when you like you turn on the switch two things break when you try to fix this issue two more two other different things break when you try to like address that two other different things <laughs> you know it's been uh yeah new worlds the, what's been happening with new world is uh wild, wild. yeah and uh, i so i don't want to get too much on a tangent but 
for for an online game like that when these when when these you know mmos or mmo like games are almost expected these days to have like a 10 year plus lifespan if you look at destiny to look at final fantasy 14 or whatever uh warframe other than some of the smaller titles as well uh like that initial impression is so important to try to get people on board and keep them on board that whenever i see like the tire fire that is new world even though i don't have firsthand experience i only i only played the beta it's just i just just cropped into my head talking about like the state that these things release in but obviously that game was delayed several times as well but obviously mmos are massive undertakings i guess i guess the takeaway here is almost any game release is a massive undertaking uh with a miracle any game comes out and 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 it ships you know because the, the video game development process is immensely difficult it's a lot of moving parts that uh, that are usually siloed off in development, and then when you're like kind of putting it together at the final stretch, you're just hoping and praying that like it kind of comes together well, and like the debugging phase, you know, is enough to like get it where it needs to be by by launch. And you know, and a lot of people for a long time now have been utilizing like you know the uh, day one patches to like uh, leverage that uh, time fr- time frame. You know, and, and sometimes like, that band-aid works decently and sometimes it it doesn't and then of yeah. course you mentioned like the, the recently you know the added complication of the pandemic so yeah i will say just as an aside since you brought up new world my favorite like like glitch bug thing that like i've searched i'm sure it's been fixed out i think was um if you slightly move around the game like in windowed mode you would be invincible. It's like if 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 your if your window was just like kind of shaking just slightly. If any time it's moving, so people like wrote a script for that game where as you're playing the game, it would like move the window of that game slightly, so you're just invincible. Uh, this this is a little bit less of a performance bug and more of a design thing. And I guess I don't know if I should share this because it's. Because it's hearsay, I, I know I haven't loaded up the game to verify this myself. Uh, well, you but, know, just fire it. it, it all right, everything I'll just fire it on the Apparently, that like uh, an item or a piece of equipment will say like you'll do plus twenty more damage or plus twenty more healing or whatever. It'll augment a certain skill, but it only exists in like the UI text. It doesn't actually do anything, and it's and people have like you know run the math or run the counters to to verify that, and there's like ugh, that's like we don't know if that's just like wasn't implemented properly or if they're trying to like you know if they didn't account for certain items to to interact with the combat system so it sounds like it's not just performance issues but also kind of like design or things like that but uh, i don't have first-hand experience i did play like 20 hours of the beta so or the stress test whatever that was uh and i guess i was not enamored enough to pick it up on retail so that's kind of where i'm at for that before before we before we wrap up and go to the news here are there what are like your next two to three games that you guys want to play before game of the year discussions happen like what's like your immediate like priorities now the two games i want to finish is i want to finish in megami tensei because i just feel like that's a major release for the year and i want to finish fantasian because i played the first half and i know that i believe james and adam have played the second half uh, uh and i just kind of i don't want to leave it half finished so those are my two games those are my two goals before uh deliberations james and chow uh let's see i don't think i have anything it was probably tales of arise but that already came out so yeah i just from playing halo <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
I just want to play more Halo 2. <laughs> um, I, I've completed all of my weekly challenges. Now I can just play the game. They did. I, I forgot that that uh that that first event already wrapped up this, for the samurai armor. Uh, no. Uh, basically, if we want to go on a tangent, I can talk about how absolutely dumb the li- the first live event that's uh, going on in Halo Infinite is. Because oh my god, it is the worst designed event I've ever seen in a, in a multiplayer shooter. All right, with like, all right with a with a preamble like that, you got five minutes. Go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so imagine this. Before launch, one of the big selling points of Infinite is we're not going to have FOMO. You don't have to worry about doing something in a set amount of time. Game comes out. Battle Pass is, once you buy it, you, you have it forever. You don't have to complete it any certain amount of time. Caveat, you have weekly challenges, and then there, once you complete all of them, there's an ultimate challenge that unlocks you something. That's FOMO. Add to this, you get... There's now a live event going on where instead of just during the duration of the event, you're able to clear as many of the challenges as you want. Instead, it's broken up into week-long chunks that are going to happen every cu- like every month or so. And during those week-long chunks, you can only complete seven of the 30 challenges you need to unlock everything in the event battle pass. And all during that, not only not only are you limited to seven of the 30 challenges that you need to complete things, but you don't have those event challenges on a separate list from your regular weekly challenges. So there are instances where you might want to continue grinding the event, which is limited time only, but in order to get access to those challenges that will let you actually go into the event playlist, you need to clear regular-ass weekly challenges first using the other playlist so you're not playing the event that you want to play. <laughs> All right, so as someone who has not looked at the UI here, it sounds like what you're saying is that they promised that the Battle Pass would not have any FOMO, but then they just put FOMO in two other places. They just took it out of yes. the one bucket and put it into two other buckets. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. And not to mention the challenges themselves are t- are even worse. Like they've they've made them better this week. They were worse last week. You know what the ultimate challenge is for this week in order to get your like FOMO stuff for this week, the first week of the event? You need to get five killing sprees, which is five plus kill streaks, in um, the event playlist, which isn't which is already kind of rough because different skill levels and whatnot. But the event playlist is Fiesta, which is randomized weapons on spawn. Oh, so so you can't even like, all right, I just got to get better at the game. It's like, you just got to hope you get the right loadout. Yeah. And it's like people say, well, just if you get the sword, get a grapple shot and just slingshot around the map. But the problem is, is that some maps you can do that. Other maps doesn't work so well. And even if you do do that. You don't know who's going to be around a corner with a rocket launcher and be like, I'm going to swat you like a fly. <laughs> it's just, it's so bad. Uh, uh, I, I've, been de- I've, I've been desensitized by bad first events in games because, like, every mobile fucking game has, like, a really shitty first event when they launch. <laughs> it's like, yep, it's just. Sounds normal. It's just as usual for, like, live service games to have, like, a really bad first event. Yeah, well, so, it's disappointing to hear, but. Yeah. Uh, I guess independent of, I know that we've got over five minutes, probably, but whatever. Uh, independent of the progression system, 
just how does the game play? Just like in a sentence or two. Like, are you are you enjoying oh, the oh, game? It, it, it's amazing. The only problem I have is that melee hit uh, detection seems to be kind of off. And I'm not sure what the tick rate is for the servers, because there's been a few instances where I will duck behind a wall and then die to a gunshot. And it's like, what the fuck? Hmm. <laughs> So I'm not sure if the tick rate's lower. I think it's 30, so it sh- that should be high enough that that's not happening. Maybe it's ping. I don't know. But um, it shouldn't be ping because it's like I'm in Southern California. It's like that 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 usually shouldn't be an issue, but whatever. Um, the game itself, though, fantastic. Yeah. If you're If you're ignoring the progression system, it's probably the best feeling Halo in like a decade and a half. Seriously, dude. Um, yeah, I, I just, it's one of those games that, like, man, I really miss how, like, old school FPS design was with capture the flag modes and just, like, yeah. just general, like, big team battle. And just, oh, like, man. Oh, man. I was in a Discord call last night with a bunch of people, like, with Colin and whatnot on stream. And we just uh, had, like, a ton of people, like, in a big team battle. And we just, like, we got into an argument about, like, foods for whatever reason. And, like, oh, during yeah. that argument, like, like, in the process of turning our brains off and just working off of instinct, we managed to capture the flag three times in like the span of like two and a half minutes. <laughs> and yeah, it, it just it just brings back a lot of like those old school FPS like moments of the muscle like, memory. Man, that shit was really cool. What just happened? You know, like that. This things come together like organically in a way that like you just have a fun story to tell. The grapple shot is so cool. The grapple shot is so cool. And not even that. Like there has been like it's been a constant the last like week and a half. Well, ever since the uh, beta, quote unquote, came out, you just see every so often these videos hit like um, Twitter where people do something really cool with hit, with uh, infinite. It's like you can do that. Like somebody threw a grenade and was able to block a stake shot because it hit the grenade, not them. Uh, some <laughs> somebody, you know, those uh, jump pads in the uh, one desert stage. I forget the name of it, but yeah, capture the flag. You can shoot a stake onto the jump pad and it'll do an arc. What the fuck? Really? That's crazy. Yeah, and somebody posted a video where they shot it into the jump pad. It didn't arc, and it headshot someone. And they got credited for it. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff in this game, and it's like it's also making me actually excited for the campaign because it's like, man, all of this stuff that you can do during the sand, like the multiplayer sandbox, where it has to be balanced around like you can only have so many grapple shots. It's like the campaign. Oh man, that's gonna be tasty. Yeah, I don't like. I think the big bummer for me, the campaign, is I still have to wait for like the online co-op because I yeah, like yeah, I do like online campaign for Halo, but and I'm still, I'm still kind of. I don't know if I'm gonna get it at launch or just wait for that. But either way, I'm glad. I'm glad that the multiplayer. Well, wait a second. Play. Wait a second, Josh. Did you redeem your copy of uh, one month of Game Pass for buying a Ryzen CPU yet? Uh, I, I'm not installing. I'm not reinstalling Game Pass on this fresh Windows install my PC mm-hmm. until they fix their uh, folder structure, which they already announced. You know, weeks back considering uh, yeah. the, the issues that you've had uh, that's completely fair yeah, yeah bad news they released their updated version of the folder stuff it's still AppX installs and if anything it's made worse because while you can deal with everything in a folder you can't deal with the executable and you can't delete it so uh Wait, what uh, so yeah. they they already they already rolled up that updated ga- uh, game pass things and then th- that's the, like you can you can explore it but you just can't tinker with anything. No, you can tink you can't tinker with the executable. Everything else, sure, but I don't think you can delete the folder itself. 
and you can't, um, you can delete everything in there except for the executable. So for your case where you like to delete like leftover folders, yeah, no, you're not going to be able to do that. So I do, so it's one of those. It's like if I if I'm gonna install it somewhere, I better commit to like it being there. Yeah. Uh, so I, I didn't know. Well, that, I, mean, I didn't know they, well, already, I mean, they already released it. I thought I thought that was only something they had planned. I didn't know they were gonna. They already released it. Yeah, they did. Um, oh, I mean, okay. you can theoretically, if it works, you'll still be able to delete folders and stuff. It's just like if it works, <laughs> <laughs> which you can't take for granted. Uh, yeah. It seems like the theme of this podcast is just uh, bugs. Only this time, it's for the. Uh, Game Pass, Xbox, Look, PC man, Suite. My last Game Pass install claimed one of my fucking M.2 SSDs that's just stuck in my PC now because, and I'm definitely afraid to try to take it out. So, I think I have Fantasy Star Online too, like installed in like two different places permanently. <laughs> that's, oh that's been my fault. I, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to think about the fucking Fantasy Star Online too when it was oh. just on Windows. Jesus oh. Christ, man! Thank that goodness was... I came to Steam. <laughs> oh. I need to try out New Genesis when that game gets more content. Uh, in a month, like December seventeenth or so, something like that. I'll let you know. Tempted, if it's any, I'll, let, I'll let you know if it's any good. I was tempted to start playing New Genesis again because it's like, oh, I got a new Xbox. I can just install it on there and free up a hundred gigabytes on my PC. Mm. And then it turns out they never released the Series X patch, and if anything, a recent update. Because it doesn't have it doesn't have the ability to tell if you're playing on a Series X or a One X, they nerfed it so that the graphical settings you could set in game, because like the Xbox version basically has all the PC settings, are limited to what you can set the max to. Even though before people were able to have like the uh, level of detail and and like terrain quality much higher, now it's like stuck on level three instead of like level five. It basically it's stuck on Xbox One levels. Yeah, and it's uh, like they haven't released the Series X patch yet, even though they announced it saying, oh, it's going to be Series X enhanced and it's been a year. It's like, Sega, Sega, yeah, please. please. Yeah, I don't know. The the Everything I've heard about, like the way that New Genesis has been being handled uh, doesn't inspire much confidence at the moment. So hopefully it gets... Well, I am a, I am a boiled frog, so I, I will let you know if the desert updates any good. All right. Yeah, can we update it? Because I do, I do want to check that out. Yeah, I guess, I guess for me, before Game of the Year, like now that I'm wrapping up really, two really, 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 really long games, um, I do I do want to get to Death's Door. Um, I do want to get to... I, I want to get to like a game that I that probably needs to be represented in Game of the Year, so I, I, I need to like well, work on Amori. I want to... Uh, I know that's also a long game. That's like, fuck. But I think, you know, it, I the all the talk about Amori... Um, is one of those things that, like, if it gets left out, I think it'll be a big miss for our site if it does. So going into the news section of this podcast, it's going to be pretty casual, pretty light. Uh, obviously, it was a holiday week for the U.S. anyways. I know that doesn't affect, obviously, every developer, but it's been a it's been a pretty casual week. So we'll just kind of go through this very low, very low key. We did also have a couple of low key game announcements. Uh, so nothing world shaking here, but some things that were teased that we talked about last week that will uh, go into the full announcement this week. Uh, no real rhyme or reason or, or theme to this. So we'll just kind of go through the few things that we do have. 
Uh, I'll start with this one. We talked last week about a tease for a new game uh, in the Hyperdimension Neptunia series. And of course, we joked that it was going to be a remake, remaster, or something, something, because that's been par for the course. Uh, nope, it wasn't quite that. It's not a new numbered entry either. It's a new, uh, I, I would I would think you would consider this a spinoff. Uh, we got the full announcement for Hyperdimension Neptunia Sisters versus Sisters. This is an action RPG being uh, developed by Compile Heart for uh, PlayStation 4, uh, slated for April of next year in Japan. No, no localization announcement yet. So I don't know if you yeah. took a look at this trailer, uh, Josh, and saw anything about it. Yeah. But yeah, it seems to be like a like you said, action RPG with up to three uh, characters in combat, which is really weird because if you really want to highlight like all the sisters, there's four of them, so one of them is just gonna get left out awkwardly. Um, the Xbox battle. one? No, there's no, there's no X. The Xbox one didn't have a sister. Only the oh. the, the 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 Nintendo representative Blanc. She has twins, twin sisters. Um, and then both the uh, Neptune and um... my 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 Neptune lore is lacking. I'm sorry. I just know that there's one that's like Xbox themed, which I always thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah. But she doesn't have a sister. But she always wishes she she has a sister. She's like oh, a big MMO addict. Um. Yeah. I mean, they they've only showed like very brief snippets of like the gameplay and like the, the yeah. It's, it's like a one minute that. announced trailer and then some yeah. some some few details. So not not a not a yeah. huge blowout. Yeah, so it's like it's like okay, whatever, you know. The, it's like another spinoff. Hopefully, it's not shit like uh, Virtual Stars, which I played earlier this year, much to my regret. Um, I don't really have much of a an opinion on it right now until like they show more gameplay. But I'm sure this will be this will come out in the West, you know, sometime next year, like all the other ones. And yeah, I mean, I think I think the the thing that really throws me off is the name because it's like it's called uh, like uh, Sisters versus Sisters, and it reminds me of that uh, a show called Sister Sister. Uh, I know what you're talking about. I watched Nick uh -huh. and Night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's all. That's all I think of. It's like oh, Sister Sister. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> uh, so I know this is coming out for. Let's see here. It will have a PlayStation 4 and a PlayStation 5 version. The PlayStation 5 version will support haptic feedback, so it will ha it will have some bespoke, you know, features for the current gen version of the game. Uh, April twenty first is the release date in Japan. Uh, I guess we'll follow up and see once there is a localization announcement for it, which we kind of do expect. But I know some people were maybe expecting or hoping for like a full release, like a numbered release, but at least it's not a remake remaster. <laughs> Those people are the most punished because they always think that it's always going to be a numbered release and then they always get let down for like the last, like what, seven years or something. <laughs> now we should bring Nathan here. We get a perfect Natunia expert to explain these things to us. Yeah, yeah well, that's true. I, I don't know if I'm What are you talking about, Chow? We have one right here. Yeah, it's you, right, Chow? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've played. Hey, 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 come on, Josh. I know what that HD actually stands for. I Hyperdimension <laughs> here. High definition. HD could be whatever it is that you want it to stand for, just like much like GOG now. When's uh when's 4K Kieran? 8K Kieran? Uh, it's 8K now. Uh, yeah, oh, 8K I see. I'm sorry. Right. I'm I'm behind the times. 
The other sort of low key announcement is something that I guess maybe James will be able to talk about a bit, and that is an announcement in the Utara Romono series. So they had a 20th anniversary stream in this last week for the Utara Romono, the whole series. And during that stream, they announced a new title called Monochrome Mobius Toki no Taika, which can be roughly translated as redemption of time so this was a trailer that was never officially uploaded outside of the stream though some people uh our friends at gamatsu were able to basically archive it and put it up on their channel that's weird but- that's weird because they said like legitimately during the uh, stream that it was going to be up the uh, full gameplay trailer was going to be uploaded on their um youtube page is it really not up there yet let me, check. I, Let me check. I mean, the last time I checked it didn't. Maybe it's gone up there recently. Uh, but when I, when I searched for it on YouTube, the, the one that I hit was Gamatsu's. So they're the one that I uh, ended up referencing. But yeah, oh, it's... Uh, okay, so so the trailer itself hasn't been uploaded, but the VOD for the stream is. So yeah, it... Oh, so yeah, you can just timestamp it or, or whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, I basically, I do not have the the requisite knowledge to discuss this. So uh, I know they showed about like 10 minutes of gameplay, uh, a couple, uh, a little, uh, like not anime true. Not still. true. Hmm? They did what? not show gameplay. They showed in engine footage, but they did not actually show the actual gameplay. They showed like that. There is like some sort of world progression. We're not sure if that's, that means it's an action RPG. Now we don't know if that just means that there's progression to like, the turn-based RPG battles, we did not actually see combat, so we don't know. Yeah, it's just like, if, it's like, a, it's like an event cutscene they showed off, and then, like, the opening. Yeah, I guess when well, I was looking at the cutscene, I called it gameplay, but yeah. 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 They did show some progression, like, so there is, like, overworld progression, which is new, because previously yeah. they were just, like, a visual novel-style, like, story interspersed with tactical RPG battles, which was really good. Um, so I'm not sure if this is technically a spinoff or the next mainline title, because obviously that's that title sounds like a spinoff, which makes me think, does that mean it's going to be an action RPG? Because it looks like with like if you look at the actual engine footage, it's like, man, maybe they want to go for an action RPG or something. I they don't know. Open zones. <laughs> yeah, it's we just don't know enough yet. Like the only thing that we do know is that it is an interquill that takes place in between prelude to the fallen and mask of deception. That's okay. it. Uh, are, are any of the characters here from like the, uh, the other? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, the only character that they've shown, well, technically there's two characters they've shown that aren't from previous games. One of them is kind of from previous games, kind of not. Um, <clears throat> There's uh, the new main um, main girl. I forget her name. Uh, they they mentioned it. I'm pretty sure it's on our article on the site. Let me double check. Shunya. Yeah. Okay. And the main character is Ashtor, who was a major character in Mask of Deception and also a major character in Mask of Truth for a different reason, which is a spoiler to talk about. But basically, he is one of the most. He's a recurring characters. character. Yeah, he wasn't in the first game, but he was probably the most important character for the story of the second and third game. And we never actually saw his his backstory. Like, we saw bits and pieces of it, but they never really went into, okay, what led to him becoming one of the pillar generals and and whatnot. What, um, stuff like that. So this game is going to be his story about, like, basically 
what led to him becoming the person that he was in the second and third game and having such a huge like reputation, whatnot. So it's an interesting way of doing it. Cause I was like worried that I, I don't want there to be anything moving on from the ending of mask of truth. And this is like, I kind of wanted it to be an entirely new com- continu- uh, continuity, but if you're going to like shackle it to the old stuff, this is probably the best choice that they had. <laughs> so I'm happy with it. Do you but, think um, we'll see this in the West? Because I know like the Xan yes, 2 never got a yes. localization. Well, no, Xan 2 just came out in July. So it's only been like five months. <laughs> oh, oh, so you think do you think they'll announce maybe both at the same time or Xan then this? Maybe. Maybe I think say. it's possible. It's possible. I the only issue I kind of foresee is that and IS America has a lot of games to work on recently. <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they might be like, well. They they just might not be able to make the time because it's like in, when you're working on so many trails games and you have a backlog of NIS titles to localize, like Labyrinth of Galleria and the newly announced uh, uh, tactical RPG that the that the uh, Disgaea team is working on. It's coming out in January, and they haven't announced the localization yet, even though that's obviously going to be a priority for They're them. They're too busy localizing the most important game of 2022, Monarch. Let's go. Yeah. But yeah, it's like I, I I think somebody will get it for localization. I I don't know if it will be NIS America. I don't know. Maybe it'll be Axis. I mean, I Axis has who who does the PC releases? Shiravoon, uh, uh, Shiravoon. Okay. Right. Um, they can't do console stuff. Technically, uh, Monochrome Mobius hasn't had yeah just platforms have announced. Post. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I have some doubts it's going to be on Switch, just looking at footage. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe it'll run on Switch, but it's like, it's possible that when the platforms will be PC because technically the ports for Utsuwaru Mana were done by Aqua Plus themselves. So maybe it'll be a PC release. That would be an interesting throwback because it's like, well, Obviously, Aquaplus has a very, very storied history with PC, which I'm sure you know more about it than I do, uh, Josh. But it's like interesting stuff. Interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah, Again, they, they, they don't they, know. They originally, yeah, they originally like a, a PC focused company. Weren't like, they? The weren't days. they original? Weren't they originally Leaf, and then Aquaplus was like their like a, a an offshoot? Or am I totally wrong? That sounds right. I think I think so. That's what sounds happened. pretty think, close to me. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah. So we don't know platforms. I think it's safe to say that PS4, maybe PS5 are probably going to be two of them. Maybe PC, but we just don't know. We just it's going to be an Xbox Series exclusive. <laughs> I feel like we're taking so many digs at Xbox. Well, we said Halo was good, so we're giving them good. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we're good. Xbox and I okay. are great. All right. All right, there's no rhyme or reason for the rest of these uh, these little news uh, updates uh, outside of those two game announcements uh, that neither neither of them have localizations uh, in the works quite yet, or at least not publicly announced. Uh, so let's just go through these. Here is one that ended up kind of taking off on social media, uh, and that is we got the basically results briefing for Square Enix's, let's see, was it the fiscal quarter or was it the fiscal half? Yeah, second quarter, fiscal year 2022. And the main takeaway from this was a statement about Neo, The World Ends With You. Obviously, another game that we'll be discussing in a month for the uh, Game of the Year deliberations. And the statement in this uh, results briefing is as follows. 
While Neo, The World Ends With You was well-received by users, it has underperformed to our Square Enix's initial expectations. So a lot of, apparently a lot of people latched on to this headline talking about how the game was marketed in the West. That kind of dovetailed into discussions about how it was localized. Uh, and that also talked about comparing it to what Square Enix released last year, comparing uh, the 2020 releases of Marvel's Avengers and Final Fantasy VII Remake against this year's releases of like Neo, The World Ends With You, and um, uh, Life is Strange True Colors. And how they had you know sold less software this year than they did last year, just based on, I guess, the pedigree of the titles. So... Uh, I don't know, like if there's people, people try to, uh, try to extrapolate what the connotation is when, uh, I know Adam's initial take was just kind of the observation about how, you know, we don't know what their expectations were when they compare it to releases of last year. We don't know if they expected anything better or if they kind of knew that these releases weren't going to match up with the releases of 2020, uh, I don't know if there's any other stronger takeaway to, to see from this about how the game was marketed, how how its PC release was locked to the Epic Game Store, how uh, the PS4 uh, the, release didn't get like any the, coverage at all. For for this for this specifically, like the PC release doesn't matter because the the fiscal reporting was cut off by on September 30th, and it'd be only two days after the game released on Epic Game Store. So this is only primarily like focusing on like that's console performance on PS4 and Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to people who don't know, this is a thing that happens in businesses. This is their like yearly annual reporting. It's not like Square Enix, Square Enix arbitrarily cutting off the report. That's just the way they do. They've done it for how God knows how long. It's not like oh, we're only gonna like make it. We're only. Gonna, it's not like they they came to the decision that like we're gonna arbitrarily cut off, cut it off here and like make it so uh, so like Neo sales didn't look good. It's like that's not how these businesses work. Because I know there was like a lot of confusion. About that in the comments section because people got because people don't know how the fuck these things work, you know. And and the, one of the things that I kind of briefly touched on this, but they basically say that um, Neil the World's Ends with You, Near Replicant, Outriders, and uh, Life is Strange all released within a six month time period, and sales were overall lower than the same period of time last year, largely due to Final Fantasy VII remake and Marvel's Avengers, which is. To me, just an observation. Like, yeah, we released these four games this year. We released those two games last year, and this year the sales were lower. And then I see some people like quote tweeting some of these statements, and like, I can't believe the bozos at Square Enix expected these games to outsell Final Fantasy VII Remake. Well, I don't know if that expectation was was there. We just see them comparing this yeah, year versus like, last year. It's, they're, they're, it's like a- it's one of those things like no fucking point. shit that FF7 remake and Marvel's Avengers, especially at the outset of that, looking promising to a lot of people. Like no fucking shit that like these two very recognizable names, in, but not even just in games, but just like outside of games, like the Marvel brand. You know, you know, no fucking shit that they'll probably like you know do better than these games. But also, you don't know what the expectations for those games were internally versus the other games, and it's just like you know people. It's like what Nier didn't outsell FF Seven Remake. What the fuck? It's like oh, I can't believe come Square on. Enix expect. The thing is, is we don't know what they might have said. Like we expect these games to sell, you know, X percent less. But then whatever their expectations were, which we don't know, they Neo still didn't meet it. 
Um, I saw some people hoping that like, I know uh, one comparison that I saw that I thought was kind of interesting was when people talked about uh, Octopath Traveler. Obviously, that was a Switch exclusive that ended up getting a lot of marketing from Nintendo and then later made its way to PC. Um, And I guess the same is true also for Bravely Default. And people thinking, well, you know, if Square Enix wasn't going to market Neo of the World Ends with you, maybe they could have made it a Switch exclusive and had Nintendo do it and then release it on PS4 and PC. And these are all like hypotheticals because people just, you know, they want to champion a game that they really liked because as Square Enix admitted, Neo the World Ends with You was well received critically. So, you yeah. know, from that point of view, I'm sure they're thrilled. Uh, and then probably we'll have a, uh, I'm guessing it'll, based on the reviews that we've seen here and the impressions that I've seen in the RPG, you know, discourse, it was, it, I'm, I'm anticipating that this game will do well, at least under our deliberations. I, I did notice that this game was kind of highlighted as a, uh, one of the major snubs for the RPG category at the Game Awards, if you care about that. Um, but, you know, critically, I, f- I feel like this is game, you know, kind of did as good as expected, considering it's a, a niche series that not a lot of people played the original game from 10 plus years ago. I had, you know, the weird anime tie in and kind of like the unexpected remaster on Switch a few years back. But it, it is it, what it, it is. It's one of those weird things, right, that fans should be happy that they got the sequel at all. And it and not only that they got it, and it was like actually really good, like a really great sequel to like the first game. Like people who, generally speaking, fans were like thrilled about Neo. So you guys should be happy already uh, that you, you actually got a sequel that like was really good, you know? Sure, it, it might have not met initial expectations for Square Enix, but who fucking cares? You got your game and you enjoyed it. That should be the thing that matters. You had fun with it. Um, Two, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty of like maybe why this didn't thing thing didn't like sell, th- think about it like if you just took a step back, you know, it's not crazy to think like you know this didn't meet uh, expectations because one, um, Square Enix like obviously Square Enix the marketing budget for this game felt like non-existent. It was, yeah. it was to the point that like e- even on E three at E three like a month before game release it didn't even like get showcased in a big way you know it got real like yes marketing for this game was fucking abysmal there was a lot of people that like didn't even know this game was coming out um and also people were unclear on what platforms it was even going to be be on like you know for a lot of people they thought it was only going to be on switch um because the, the ps4 version really didn't like get much of a highlight um and there were also like there i remember there was like this whole kerfuffle in japan as well where there were like ads for neo like uh on like subways but like the the ps4 logo would be like covered by something on them so a lot of people there thought it was just a switch exclusive um which like, is a, there's lots of factors i, I yeah. would say the original game was pretty niche to begin with exactly and this is also a fucking sequel to a 15 year old really niche game on the original ds and when you think about like uh the it from that perspective this is a game that will really cater to like just the fan, fans of the original and let's all be honest like that's not a big number you know people who li- like who are like super giddy and excited to get neo the world ends with you probably like the first game and that fan base isn't like crazy high not to mention the release date was probably not <laughs> taught out well because it's like Okay, yeah, so Great Ace Attorney Chronicles and The World Ends With You, they're different games. But when both of those series, at least in the West, started off on the DS, and the same types of people were probably playing both, 
<laughs> and it's just, I don't know. I feel like Capcom did a much better job advertising their game. And it's like, yeah, it's just people's and not to mention wasn't greatest attorney chronicle yeah it was it was 40 dollars for both games so it's like if people wanted to just buy one they only had the money for one the time for one it's like well we're gonna get great great ace attorney chronicles because it's cheaper it's two games and it's like yeah i mean my, my, that's my not- gut reaction is to say like did great ace attorney chronicles releasing in the same day really affect neo the world ends with you but then i think then i step back and say we've already admitted that this is a niche ip so chances are like, so any little overlap like that probably counts you know it doesn't have the volume yeah. to to you know where if, they, if there's a time if there's even a even a a smidge of overlap between those two things it could take you know could affect the bottom line and like if neo it released as like a like a holiday game i wonder if it would just have more exposure uh not to you know, yeah go ahead sorry not to mention it's like even if you theoretically could play neo without having played the first one just the perception of oh i should play the first one first meant that i'll, I'll be honest here i i got the ps4 version i played it on ps4 i talked with the folks at my local game store about which version was actually getting pre-ordered the most. Neither did well pre-orders wise, but I was the only person that pre-ordered the um, PS4 version. They had like a dozen Switch pre-orders. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. a bunch of people were like, oh, I want to play the first one. Is it on PS4? No, it's not. I want to play the first one. Is it on Switch? Yes. So it's like, it's just poor all around. Yeah, like there's like the like there's not even like super easy access to the first one like unless you have a switch because you have like final remix for that re- uh, release uh, there even though it's not great you know the the, the updated controls for that isn't like good mm-hmm. um, and but, even then it's like some people would be like well I want to play it and then you have all these people saying rightfully I would I would add though different people have different opinions on it. it's like no play the ds version it's like well i don't have a ds anymore i have a 3ds but it's like how much is a ds copy now it's like it's just a very unfortunate situation yeah. where it's like i don't think even if they had marketed it better it would have maybe done it's, just it's, it's just it's just by, it's just by nature it's inherently niche and that's something you just have to like come to accept that like maybe you know the the at least you got the game that you like and enjoy that's that should be it that sh- that should be like the bottom line thing. well hope, hopefully it, it delivered yeah i mean you know well i, I saw it, some people kind of using this uh using this news as almost like a confirmation of their biases where they're like well you know <laughs> the localization was shit anyway so well deserved or or whatever and i'm just like well i mean you're you're, you're no, entitled to your opinion yeah no, you're entitled to your opinion but, but okay uh yeah yeah so like... it'll be interesting to revisit this topic uh with the game of the year cast and see like collectively how our staff because i feel like based on just how colin reacted to it and how adam liked it that i feel like and others on the staff that this game should do pretty well but you know we'll see in a month well, yeah, game of the year is always weird, right? Because it's like whoever can really make a case for it, and and and, and part of that is also kind of almost yelling the loudest and, and yeah, along yeah, with the, standing the your ground the most fervently, yeah, and, 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 and along with like numbers to back it up. Because we always <laughs> that we always found that that like weird hole where like we know this shouldn't matter, but like raise of hands if like you think this should be on here, and raise of hands if you think it shouldn't and whatnot. And this is like oh, it's 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 more art than science. It's, this is an artistic seasonal process mm-hmm. so it's just it, it's a it's a weird it's a weird process mm-hmm. last week we did get a playstation blog uh post about the upcoming horizon forbidden west 
So this ba- this post is basically a lot of like background details about like world building and environment for uh, Horizon Forbidden West, which is releasing next February, like a week before Elden Ring. I feel like I've always left the caveat whenever there's a release next quarter. Uh, you know, when is it when is it releasing relative to Elden Ring? Um, but uh, I'm not going to dive too much into the details here. But one thing, as I read through this blog post on Horizon, that I thought was kind of interesting that could might go like underappreciated from the release is uh, a lot of this post talks about the different uh, factions and tribes in in this uh, sequel and specifically how it affects how their animations of the crowd and of the NPCs are handled for each of these areas. And the example that they give is that the, out of the three tribes that they go through on the blog, I don't remember their names right now, um, that the way that they'll carry water is different because of like their their location in the in the world and like their history and their upbringing like the, this this one group of warriors will carry you know they're supposed they like emphasize you know strength and combat and finesse and they'll carry like the water on like on their backs and then this one group of like crafters and like uh, socialites will carry it in front of them and to me that's kind of like that seems really like uh I don't know, like I would not notice this if this wasn't uh, called out to me, but it just makes me like appreciate the sort of attention to detail that these like environment artists and stuff that's, you know, background dressing ends up, you know, there's a lot of care and thought that goes into this and it ends up do, does kind of selling the world um, as, you know, a more f- fully fleshed out experience. But we've got we've got the uh, we've got the highlights on our news post on the site. And then of course the PlayStation blog post is uh, quite a detailed run through for uh, the upcoming game. So that's all up on there. What was the release release date for this again? February eighteenth. So that's uh before Elden Ring, right? Before, yes. Oh, okay. You got a week right. to finish this. <laughs> I still need to play the first game. I, I did. I did get it on sale on Steam, so uh, it, it's there. As far I as I know, have. the Steam the Steam release is in a decent spot now. It took a while, but I think it's there. Uh, the, uh, surely my 3080 can max everything out, right? Yeah, yeah, you, you can probably brute force any of the performance issues that are lingering. Great. We do have two pieces of Bioware news, kind of. The, n- neither of these are really like announcements. One is basically a uh, behind-the-scenes reporting, and one of these is uh, about a about a executive leaving the studio. So obviously we're, we've been waiting on dragon age Four or whatever the next dragon age title is for a while now. Cause it, it kind of, uh, it appeared at the game awards like several years ago at this point where they had like the, the, the trailer that was just concept art with voiceover. Let me, uh, let me remind myself when that was 2018 was the original teaser for this. And it's kind of like shown up in very small snippets since then. Well, the the news this week is that another executive has left the studio. Uh, Dragon Age creative director Matt Goldman leaves Bioware. And all we know is that in an email sent to Kotaku, um, basically the studio GM announced the departure of Matt Goldman for him, which is a bit different because some of the previous people who have left the studio, I think like Mike Laidlaw would eventually have their own blog post basically announcing their departure where here it says, this is an email to Kotaku. Um, I hope you are well. I'm writing to inform you that Matt Goldman is leaving Bioware. So, uh, or no, not, not to Kotaku spotted by Kotaku. I'm sorry about that. But basically the, the key thing here is that 
uh, this and this was not a first person announcement of a departure. It was a studio announcement of the departure. So people are inferring what that means about the, you know, the nature of the of the split and things like that. And of course, you know, there's a lot of doomers and gloomers about what this means for Dragon Age. And I'm not saying that that's the wrong take, because this isn't the first time we've seen it. Um, it just seems like just kind of a, another thing where it's like, well, I guess we're just going to sit here waiting and seeing if and if this thing can all come together at some point, because yeah, creative director is pretty big. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty big position. So that's kind of, and who knows how long they've been working on this new Dragon Age and how far along it is in development. And now, like, they have to go find a new creative director that hopefully, like, is okay with taking the reins on whatever's been going on for how many years. And on this project, they are. It's that's that's uh. I wonder. I really wonder. You know. And then in Kotaku's article about uh this uh departure like goldman was the one after that 2018 teaser trailer basically saying like how excited he was to be working on the dragon age so we don't know the details behind why he left or what you know what the you know what the context was behind the split obviously they're saying that uh you know rest assured our commitment to a high quality dragon age has not wavered uh it's 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 in capable hands but of course they're going to say that they're not going to say anything else (laughs) no they're like this project is fucked man (laughs) Yeah, so <laughs> it it seems like for whatever reason, it seems like historically they've been keeping like little little you know little teases, little little drops of nuggets of information at the Game Awards. I think it showed up in 2018 and 2020. Uh, so maybe we'll see it in a month on for the, this year. I have no idea. Uh, and we no, also saw the, the Mass that's, that's 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 where the Mass Effect little teaser showed up as well. Yeah, for the new title December there. Night. So, so that's like very soon. Yeah, so maybe maybe we'll see it, and the, uh, I feel like even if we do see it, it's not going to be substantial. It'll just be kind of like, yes, we're still working on it, sort of thing, which is like, oh, okay, okay, um, okay. The, the, the take, is it going to be just concept art, or do you think it's going to be a CGI trailer? I'm thinking it'll be concept art, or like it'll 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 either be concept art or like some studio, uh, like some like some developers, artists, programmers talking about like what they're working on. Remember, we saw that thing where they were showing like the modeling of like Solus and some of the characters. Oh, and yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah. That's all they showed. I'm guessing it'll be something like that where it won't be like packaged like a big trailer. It'll, it'll be more. We're still working on the game. We're excited. Please, please, <laughs> please look mm-hmm. forward to it. All I want is a gameplay trailer that's hard to ask for out of the video game industry these days. It's like, hey, just let, let, show me what I'm going to be doing in this game. I dare you. The other semi-related news is this is a this is basically first reported by Deadline, talking about uh, Amazon working on a new Mass Effect adaptation of some sort. Uh, obviously, Amazon has been working on a Lord of the Rings adaptation, and they just recently released their um their Wheel of Time show, which I don't know anything about, but I, I did hear uh, you know some decent things about it. Uh, so this is not announced by Amazon. This is just a report from Deadline about them working on a Mass Effect adaptation of some point. Um, I don't know if this is, you know, this really isn't that exciting to me because like for me, I'm more interested in just Mass Effect, the future of the game series. Uh, but I know certain people, go ahead. Is this going to be an adaptation of like the game or is it going to be like its own, like building on its own thing? Like it's like a, a separate thing, but in the Mass Effect universe. Is, what do you think? Male or female Shepard? I'm thinking male just based on the metrics of how many people played male versus female and things like that. Cause it was like four to four or five to one. Right. So Okay, who who who, well, who is uh, Commander Shepard? Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you always go with the easy picks, don't you? It was the first name that popped in my head, uh, for good or for bad. 
Right, what, what do you think, James? The child who is Commander Shepard in this adaptation? I have no idea. <laughs> James is like, I do not care. Cal, I would go for a female Shepard. I would take the was that uh, I forgot what that woman's name is. The the main character in A Quiet Place Two. Oh, yeah. what was her name? Uh, I, I mean, I'm forgetting it right now. Or actually, now, now now that I'm reading, I'm 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 googling around a bit. Now there's like speculation about certain people thinking like the show should not should not star Shepard. Basically, I'm not I'm not really interested in the show, so I haven't really drilled in to see like what's confirmed and what's speculation. Uh, at this point, there you go. Yeah. For, for How Sal, about this? Is that yeah? That'll be it. If if this stars Commander Shepard, it should be a female Shepard played by Emily Blunt. There you go. That is the Tetracast stance on the Mass Effect Amazon show. <laughs> I'll just vote for all of us. <laughs> Thank you, Chow. Hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure uh, if this ends up making it to the finish line, because remember there was that movie deal like ten years back that never oh, came to fruition. Yeah, right. yeah. So I'm sure if this uh, ends up ends up actually becoming a thing in like a few years. Uh, I'm hey, sure man, Andrea, Andrea will be Andrea and Alex will be on it and they'll let us know yes. exactly how good oh, yeah. or bad it is. Uh, for sure. And you know, I, I, Hey, at least that, that uncharted movie is coming out. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> Which is already a weird, uh, pro, uh a thing uh, up to release because uh, Tom Holland is like, man, I never want to do that shit. <laughs> Uh, have you have you read any of that about Tom Holland talking about the 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 shooting of Uncharted? Um, no, no, I haven't. No, I haven't. <laughs> He's like, dude, it was so tough. I got so many bruises and injuries uh, during the shooting, and I never want to do this again. Like, I, I'm so thankful of like working as Spider Man in Marvel because it's a lot of his CGI, and like, it's not it's not as like labor intensive as like how it was in Uncharted. Like, poor kid. <laughs> Let's see a few other news posts uh, for the week. We got some details from Capcom about the upcoming Monster Hunter Rise PC version, uh, which is launching uh, in January. And obviously, for any of us who played World on PC, we knew that it had kind of the, not only the staggered release cadence of the original game, but it kind of doubled down on it because it, it happened with the expansion of Iceborne as well. Well, Capcom's basically uh, nipping that in the bud, saying that the PC version of Monster Hunter Rise will launch with all the content up to, you know, the N Nintendo Switch's release version of 3.6, including all of the, like, crossover events, all of the, like, the Sonic thing, the Monster Hunter Stories, uh, you know, add-ons and all that. So, basically, it sounds like while there is no crossplay, despite them looking, apparently having looked into the possibility, they are at least making sure that when when players on PC come to Monster Hunter Rise that they will not be kind of waiting for the same sort of doling out of the of the post-release no um, cross-save, no cross but you, yeah, at least, yeah, at least... For but uh, you, you, get, uh, you get Sonic and you get uh, Mega Man's dog or whatever from day one. Mega Man's dog. <laughs> I don't remember his name. What is his name? Rush. I never played Mega Man. Rush, okay. Uh, also Okami, Street Fighter, and everything else. I I mean I guess that's a step in the right direction. It's like it's that's cool, but you know if you're already doing this, reverse first cross save at the very least. God damn it! Yeah. This is a consolation prize. Yeah, I mean at least we're not that weird like arbitrary staggered release with the world, which was like always fucking weird. So I, I, at least at at launch, you can just like just fucking rush through it and be prepared for sunbreak. 
Hopefully people Which, just find a way to like uh, hopefully people just find a way to tweak the saves and like make it all compatible. <laughs> I don't know. Fuck. Here's when something maybe out? in uh, oh Sunbreak? No, uh the PC version of Rise base. January. January, I think. Let's see. Yeah, I will check January fourteenth, I think. I wanna say. I don't remember twelfth for stuff. January twelfth. Monster Hunter Rise PC, January twelfth. There we go. Okay. Here's something that might be in uh, Josh's wheelhouse. Uh, we have some details about B- Bravely Default Brilliant Lights. This is the gotcha game that is, it stars a new cast of characters, but also has like recurring characters from at least Bravely Default and Bravely, uh, Bravely Default 2. I don't know about Bravely Second, uh, but it has a pre registration open in Japan. So that's, we don't have a release date yet. But we do know that obviously it must be soon if they're having the pre-registration for it. Um, some of these details I think were discussed and gleaned over back when the project was originally announced. How it has no gotcha for the characters, which obviously suggests that there's gotcha for, I don't know, like weapons or gear. Um, and then also how, despite it being a crossover of uh, existing Bravely properties as well as starring an original cast. It borrows the art style specifically from Bravely Default 2, which is more of that kind of like claymation, clay tech work style, which I thought was kind of an interesting choice because I felt like people were kind of lukewarm on that. Uh, but I don't know if you had any other further thoughts on this, Josh. I don't know if you're even really interested in this one, but I just kind of default to that for these sorts of projects. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it's like it's one of those weird things like uh, at least we now, like, we now see the, the, the theoretical possibility of like what would these like ca- bravely characters that we liked in the past what would they look like on the bravely 2 engine and that's really what this is delivering um i assume it's going to be largely based off of like bravely default 2's framework and how it like switched the, the battle system on like how uh the turn orders worked in um that versus previous games um i don't really have like a strong like a uh, feeling or opinion i don't know if i'll try this game out to be honest you, I, you know what i want in this game what? i want a fourth wall breaking joke about the celestials how they're scamming them out of their money or something like that because you know in the original game there's a the celestial is supposed to be us right right and i just hope that they break a fourth wall joke with the gotcha system, do you, with do, you us. That, do you think this game will try to do that stupid? Well, I don't know if it was stupid, but it was like a weird me- uh, mechanic at the final fight of Bravely Default One, where like they use like the like the camera to like you are the celestial, so like <laughs> you know, unless, so, like it has the camera focusing on you, it's like oh, this is weird. So they're just using their camera smartphone, like you're in the game. Uh, I would never doubt it, man. They'll probably do that, aren't they? That's why this is on phone. They can't do that with the Switch, but um. Jokes aside, uh, is there any Bravely game that was localized, like for mobile? Um, I think uh, I forgot what it's called. There's this uh, Bravely Default mobile game that was kind of like a MMO of sorts. I think that did get a release, but it was like so far in and it didn't live long, if I remember correctly. It was it was like an MMO where like people could like jump into like your 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 turn based battles. Um, it was weird. I, I tried it out for a bit at the Japanese release. I never, I I, I never gave the English release a try because I was like, oh, this isn't my type of game. But I think it did get released, but it was only uh, for a short amount of time. Sounds like it's dead on arrival. Um, yeah, it was. It was a really, really weird, bizarre thing. It's like, why is this? Why is the bravely default name attached to this thing? It's not. It's not. Nothing about uh, it resembles bravely default. <laughs> I feel like there's been a couple. Like, like. Uh... 
bravely what was it called i'm trying to look i'm trying to find for it yeah fairy's effect there you go that's what it's called um I, I i forgot if there's only if there's only one or there's uh, or there's another one besides this i can't remember bravely default is such like a weird lineage of like getting attracted to like mobile entries and like i feel I like i it. always hear these games announced and then I never like none none of them. Maybe it's just the bubble I'm in, but I never like hear from them again. So I've also tried. I've also tried to remember if like any of the bravely characters got like a crossover collab with like the Octopath mobile game in Japan as well. Um, I I know the Octopath Traveler like Switch game like so its characters obviously showed up there already, but I don't. It's just it, it's it's a, it's another it's like another one of these releases that won't get localized. It's so weird, like. The Octopath one and this one aren't getting a release, but like Dragon Quest Die got a simultaneous worldwide release, and also the upcoming Echoes of Mana one was is going to be like already planned for localization and probably a day and date release. It's it's so weird which like which IP Square Enix is like okay this will be released to the West, not these though they're they're Japan only. Yeah. And I feel like the brave, the the Octopath one is the one I feel like would do the the best, but I I don't know if that's maybe just me like coloring my because that's the game I enjoyed the most and would like to see the most. But it would probably do like pretty well if it got like the Genshin treatment of like also getting like PC clients, right? I right. think. Who who knows? Maybe in a few uh, years it'll just randomly show up on Apple Arcade someday. Mm, we can only hope. With it, the gotcha removed, like the it, Castlevania game? <laughs> it, it, it depends. Like, it's doing super well in Japan, so it'd have to, like, really shut down and burn hard in Japan first because it's, it's been there for a few months. And then, maybe then... I don't even know how you would grind for a character like that. That seems miserable. <laughs> uh, at the time of recording, we're recording this on Saturday the 27th, we do have a stream from Atlas tomorrow the 28th from the second anniversary of 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, which is obviously a well-received game from 2020 uh, that uh, I ended up playing at the beginning of this year due to the good word of mouth from the deliberations last year. Uh, so I don't know if we're expecting a whole lot from this from this second anniversary stream. It seems kind of particular to me to have a second anniversary stream for, for a game. Like I can see like a first and a fifth. Second seems kind of, I don't know, specific. It is a weird, it is a weird one. Uh, yeah, but like it's probably gonna be your typical. You know, we have new merch. They already released like new artwork uh, celebrating the second anniversary. It's very cute, very beautiful. Uh, I, I look at it and I get, I get, I get some feelings looking at it, uh, seeing these characters again. Uh, but I assume just be a lot of merch focusing on that uh, and just discussing, uh, you know, uh, obviously the game and like you know how people enjoyed it and obviously the updated character rankings of like favorite male ca- characters, favorite female characters favorite scenes um and all that stuff from the, that's all i'm really expecting this year i uh, any i wouldn't expect a game announcement or anything i don't even know how you would do an announcement or, or a follow-up for this game but i uh, don't expect any new game uh, announcements for it but it's pretty cool that you know two years on from its japanese release people are still looking back on it and with fond memories i it's still is there any know, is yeah. there any chance of a pc port that's what I was gonna ask. I, I think I think for if you're if it's a Japanese live stream, it'd be more likely a Switch port announcement. If you're gonna do a, th- a port announcement at all, um, well, I'm okay with a Switch port too. I mean, I try to recommend this game to friends, but they just 
don't want to play like a visual novel to some people in this TV. They want to have it affordable to. Yeah, go. I, I, th- I think a switchboard would do wonders for this game. So if there's going to be a port announcement, it should probably get a switch port. I, I, it'd be it'd be a technical uh, curiosity as well because even uh, on the bit on, on PS4, PS5 eventually patched it. I think I forgot, but on PS4, like some of the the battle se- sequences uh, ran uh, pr- pretty terribly. Yeah, yeah. Or some instances. So see if I would want to see how that runs on Switch. So that'd be my curiosity on it. Um, I, I think the the thing I'm wondering is like when we'll see the new Vanillaware project again because that that was last it was like announced and teased on like the 13 Sentinels prologue disc in Japan. Um, oh, I didn't know that. But yeah, but then we ne- never we never heard about it again. So obviously, Vanillaware is a the type of company where they'll announce something well years in advance, say, "Hey, this is the next thing we're doing," and then like just not say anything about it at all and just like work and work on it for how many years until well, I remember started. like it was E3 2017 or so where uh they had like the insert card of the E3 badges was 13 Sentinels might have been 2018 yeah. and then it, and like that was the first time I'd even ever heard of it and then obviously it didn't even like appear again until it released in Japan in late 2019 so kind of very much announcing it well in advance and then just kind of making people sit on their hands and wait if they yeah. do do a character ranking, I just hope uh, Megumi is in the lower half of the list. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> wow. All right. To be more positive, mm, who's my favorite mm-hmm. character? Who's my favorite character? I don't know. I like Nenji, and I like... Uh, who's the one that partners with the robot? I'm forgetting their names. I only played this earlier oh. this year. Damn it! I for don't ask me names. I forgot. I forget all the names. If I'm not like, I used to know them for months, and then now you're just asking me. Natsuno, Natsuno. Yeah, that's all right. So Nenji and Natsuno would be the ones that I would uh, hope would be at the top of the list. Uh, uh, Mine is always going to be the girl who takes pills because for meta reasons. She's she's voiced by Sayori Hayami in Japan, so Uh, I can't. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're you're beholden to that. Okay, I get it. The very last piece of news, there's not a lot here, but we talked about back in May when the game was first announced about a new game based on the Made in Abyss property, which I believe is just a manga, or does it also have an anime adaptation? Uh, I think it's a light novel that definitely has an anime adaptation. Ah, okay. It probably has a manga as well, but I think it was originally a light novel. Don't don't kill me, it might have been a manga first. Okay, so uh, the the game is Made in Abyss, Binary Star Falling into Darkness. I do remember this uh, the podcast episode we talked about this after its announcement, how it has this very like approachable, kid-friendly art style, but apparently all the subject matter is anything but that. I've heard how dreary and bleak and dark and depressing this can be and bittersweet at the best. Uh, so that was announced back in May. Uh, this week, not a whole lot new in terms of... It, we, it's still just to be announced 2022 will have a worldwide release these are things we already knew uh but we just just got a new uh, a new set of screenshots for the game which again basically if we didn't have the discussion back in may i'd be like oh this looks cute this looks like i don't know like a um almost like a nino kuni sort of thing like a very very friendly art style approachable thing but now that i know that it's that the story that the subject material can be pretty bleak uh yeah that it's, uh that, 
it's it, it's rated the the highest like intense rating in Japan. Zero Z. It's that's what it's rated. So it's uh, I really wonder how far they're gonna go with it because there I, I have to imagine there has to be a certain point where they're like we can't do this, but. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, yeah, we did get some screenshots. Uh, so one of them is like the character creator for like. There's two boats of the game. One will follow like the original source material. The other is like a a brand new original story with like a, a create a character. Uh, that uh, person that gets involved with it. Um, so you see a little bit of the character creation there. Um, you also see like uh, I think the most curious screenshot is like when they show off like the menu like for crafting. Like you have uh like this like gun type uh object that you can craft with like certain uh materials you have like uh different traps and fishing tools that like you you can craft together for to make these items so there's definitely a huge emphasis on like survival and crafting in this game so i've been i'm i'm educating myself by going to wikipedia <laughs> And oh, oh. I'm surprised at how recent some of this is. So it is a manga series that I guess is still ongoing starting in 2012. Uh, it has a anime, 13 episode anime that was from 2017, uh, a film journeys, dawn and wandering twilight, two part, two part film that released in 2019. The, the, the film is the first, the first one is like a recap of the TV series. And then the, the second film is like a sequel to the TV series. I never seen that before. I just heard that this series have a very good soundtrack. Oh yeah, Kevin Penkin, fucking god for this uh, series. That they, they, they uh, along with like the the game news, they showed off like a new trailer for the upcoming second season of the show. And, yeah, you know, I was, I was actually going to say there's another uh, another television series scheduled for next year, uh, mm-hmm. the Golden City of the Scorching Sun, music by Kevin Penkin. Yep, I, well, I guess excited, I guess Kevin but... Penkin does all of them. He's listed as credited for. The original series, the the uh, the existing films, and the upcoming series. So. Yeah, this is baby. So, All right. uh, 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 like uh, it's one of those series that like I'm excited for, like you know, just to see like because I never I've never read it, so I'm excited to see like what happens next. But also part of it is just new uh, Made in Abyss music because the the soundtrack is so good in the in this series. I love it. And this will be the first uh, video game adaptation of the IP next year. I forgot. I, I forgot. Like, I, I seriously, I have no idea if Kevin Penkin is like composing the the OST for this game as well. Because if he is, then we we might have a run. We are, might have a candidate for best OST next year. To be honest, if he's involved, no lie. And that covers it for the news we had for this podcast. So. We were able to get a good amount of discussion about talking about uh, kind of wrapping up our concluding thoughts on some games as we go into the end of the year. Uh, we also had a, a kind of a fun diversion talking about Halo, which is also a really big release of the year. So it's kind of good to carve out a space for that, even though it's not quite under the uh, RPG side umbrella. No, but, no, no. RPG can also stand for rocket propelled grenades. Oh, there you go. I, I walked right into that one face first. <laughs> so there you are. Those rockets, I, know, I feel those it's are... like this. Uh, this episode's making fun of Cyberpunk again. <laughs> I'm all that. <laughs> that is too. That is just a tease for the Game of the Year podcast, where we are obligated <laughs> to talk about Cyberpunk at least for a little bit. We have to, at the very least, obligated 
for all of 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. We have to add them at the uh, very I, least. I, I can feel it. I can feel Alex is gonna push for it. I can feel yeah. it. Yeah, oh Jesus. He's gonna be like, <laughs> well, it's a fringe it, top ten if you look at the, uh, the what it does well. Oh, I, you I'm know what? Not, 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 not only Alex, George is gonna follow, uh push for it as well, even though he played the base PS4 release. Oh. He's like, nah, dude, it was it was fun. It was great. <laughs> but yeah, it's so, gonna be lovely. So that, that'll happen in like a month from now or so, a little less than a month. It'll be mid to late December. Uh, but kind of cool to sort of sort of start to get ideas about where where will Cyberpunk end up? Where will Neo end up? Where will Shin Megami Tensei end up? Uh, you might argue it ultimately doesn't matter, but I'm curious. I'm interested. I'm, I'm as Josh mentioned, it does kind of depend on who brings the best argument to the table, who shouts the loudest and who who is the most stubborn when when there's a confliction between uh, opinions. Uh, I am making so a proclamation. I will fight hell or high water to get Fuga into the top five. <laughs> All right, no, that'll be that'll be interesting to see because we're gonna have yeah. a few titles like that. I like I believe Super Robot Wars will probably another one where we'll have really one champion for it that will have to make their case. Sorry, Josh, um, but I'm I believe me, I'm used to it. That's just the case every game of the year. I'm like. Man. Hey, I mean, I'll, I'll be there too. But the only thing is, is that like if I'm talking about Pathfinder or Ruin King, I don't. Uh -huh. I'm not that passionate about either game. So I'll be like, yeah, they're all right. So I don't See? have like that. So I have an easier job because I'll, I won't be as stubborn about it. <laughs> like, oh, okay. No one's gonna uh, fight for the near replicant. That's not best. Well, 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 yeah, that, that'll be that'll be yeah, obviously we'll go into the details for that cast, but that'll be in a remake category. But you'll be uh chow, you'll be in there depending on how strongly you feel about blue reflection. Because then you'll be the champion for that game if you thought that is deserving of top ten or five. Well, it, it is a great game, but I don't think it can beat the top five. No, Ch Ch Chow for best ongoing support for Genshin, dude. He'll be like no. best ongoing. No, support. hell no, man. <laughs> this game has no end game. It's like all right, but that, that'll but be I, I can convince Josh to come back. It's like, there's a new character voiced by TM Revolution from Gunpowder. Do you remember? Really? <laughs> yeah, that Ito character is voiced by TM Revolution himself. Oh my god, that's that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> that's really <laughs> the good. The only difference is that I don't think he'll die in one episode because they could pay the guy. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that best ongoing support uh, Genshin for uh, yeah, here we go. I'm told now. Yeah. yeah, they 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 brought in characters voiced by Sayori Hayami and TM Revolution. All right, best ongoing right. support. But yep, that uh that'll be uh you know, fun to fun to get to once we uh finally settle on a date and square up the conversation going into that. We do have the um the news posts up on the site. Oh, one thing that I forgot to mention at the top of this podcast is that we did get uh, an interview. Uh, at least some of our questions answered for the development team behind Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars, which is another kind of one of those October releases that we don't want to let fall through the cracks and only a couple of us have played. Um, but we did get some answers from the development team for that. Basically, a lot of it was around the discussion of how they presented the game as sort of like this tabletop analog experience. Trying to trying to get that feel for what is still obviously a digital product. So you know what their what their history was with tabletop gaming and how they wanted to incorporate at least that vibe into um, the uh, the video game Voice of Cards. So Paige got that up on the site as one of our features. And then also up on the site right now, I feel like I, this is an obligated call out, is that we do have a lot of guides up for the uh, Pokemon remasters. Uh, basically, for all you know, there's 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 a, there's nearly a dozen up there that Quentin and Alex mostly have been putting out. I don't know if James has also helped with those, but there's a there's a bunch of those up on the site as well. 
if you are currently working through them. You can follow RPG site on all the social media channels. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, you can always visit our website at rpgsite.net and you can join our Discord through the link discord.gg slash RPG site or uh, hit the link at the top of our homepage. And we will be back next week with another episode of the TetraCast. And until you hear from us then, stay safe, take care. We'll talk to you soon.